Hello guys, Jonathan here from Arcade Repair Tips. We would just like to take a moment and thank you for listening to the audio replay of the live show here on the podcast feed. We'd also like to remind you to join our live show on the first Thursday night of every month at 5.30 p.m. Central Time. It's always a great time and we enjoy interacting with people just like you in our live chat. So be sure to make plans to be there for the next one. Remember also that we have an after show that takes place immediately after the live show. And if you'd like to listen to the audio from that, you will need to check it out on our YouTube page, which can be found at youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. So let us continue on with a short word from our sponsor, and then we'll get to the episode. Broadcasting from their world headquarters in Texas, it's the Arcade Repair Tips Live Show. The show that discusses arcade repair, restoration, news, and more. Now, here are your hosts... Tim and Jonathan. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Arcade Repair Tips live show, episode 45 for November 2020. My name is Jonathan Leung, the producer, director, and editor of the Arcade Repair Tips video series, and joining me today, as always, via Skype, apparently from a Miss Pac-Man manufacturing facility, is Mr. Tim Peterson. Mr. Arcade Repair Tips, how are you today, sir? I'm doing good, Jonathan. How are you? I am good. Now, I don't know whether to title this uh, what we titled it or to call it the post-election counseling session, Tim. I was thinking about giving that title, but uh, we won't be talking much about that, maybe in the after show. But really what we're going to be talking about is arcade repair, so we're so glad you guys are here with us tonight. Now... Tim, before we get started, we do want to remind everyone about our live chat. Tim, it is already lively up in there tonight. We are very appreciative to everybody who will be joining us on the show tonight. It sounds like we've got a really good crowd already, so I'm super excited about you guys being here, so thanks for that. Remember, you can leave your comments, your questions, and suggestions in the live chat for us. We'll try to get to those as we can. But Tim, before we get into any questions or anything, how are you? Obviously, like I said, you're at a Miss Pac-Man manufacturing facility, or that's what it looks like anyway, but uh, how are things going for Mr. Arcade Repair Tips this month? Oh, good. Um, I had a good Halloween, although I was kind of disappointed. You know, we're in our new house. We didn't get a lot of trick-or-treaters. But, um, you know, we had a good Halloween, and we, you know, we finished up one project bill. That's why I chose the factory today, because I have been, uh, I put a, to, a, to another game together today, a stand-up, that we cut out and made out of wood. Uh, it's going to be kind of fun, because kind of got it down how and how we can do it and uh, put it put one together pretty fast now in about three hours we went from um, but nothing buying wood at Home Depot to having a stand-up arcade game and Tim I think that's pretty impressive I mean now you guys have built a lot of cabinets in the past it's not like these are the only cabinets you built so obviously you've learned a lot but I think getting it down to three hours is pretty quick in my opinion and yeah from the time we went to Home Depot bought the bought three took three big pieces of MDF to make one cabinet, but we kind of have it down what we can cut out of one piece. And uh, then that includes the routing for the T-molding and everything. Um, so, And we had a, another game that we kind of used as a template, so we made it pretty fast, you know, kind of drawing it out and stuff real quick and then just jigsawing and getting after it. But it was kind of a fun day, so I chose the factory background because... Uh, 
I feel like you know we 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 had the factory going today. It was a little more streamlined. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, Tim, we're going to see one of your new designs coming up here in the uh, Tim's Tech Tip section. But last month, you kind of debuted your initial. Uh, version that looked like the Miss Pac-Man cabinets and sounds like you guys are having a pretty high demand for those but we're going to show off a different cabinet here in your tech tip section tonight correct yeah so I hope you guys all stay tuned for that um it's very impressive Tim I got to see it up close and personal I was very impressed with the craftsmanship and the work on it so hopefully you guys are too so we'll be debuting that here in a bit so stay tuned for that now Tim before we get into anything else I'm also going to go to the live chat and see who all is here we've got quite a few of course Louie our uh, Facebook and uh, YouTube moderator is here Louie thanks for being here he always keeps things in order in the live chat for us Tim hard for me to do that and produce the show and do all the things so thank you Louie for being here the real hammer Billy Lee is here tonight he says hello. Mr. Dwayne79 is here tonight. Um, Gregory Sears is here tonight. Uh, Geeklight08 is here tonight. We got Greg here tonight. We got Danny here tonight, Tim. Uh, and Mr. Dwayne79 said, did we see the Arcade 1-Up uh, Outrun cabinet, Tim? And I didn't put that on the outline, but why don't we just go ahead and get your thoughts? What do you think of the Arcade 1-Up Sit-Down Outrun cabinet? You know, um, it's not too bad. I, I don't know that... Uh... Yeah, as far as the arcade one-ups, you know, we have uh, had mixed reviews on them and stuff. But it's kind of cool, especially uh, for that era of game, you know. I know some people said, well, they enjoyed the real arcade feel. I don't know that you're going to get a lot more than that. Um, from, I think it's still pretty cool. For $500, I think they got the price right, right about right. Yeah, I think so, too. And, I mean, you're, st you're still getting a sit-down cabinet, Tim. It's a little bit different, but obviously they kind of... Tried this with the Star Wars, and I think it worked out really well for them. So I hope the out, Outrun is just as, as much of a success as that was. So uh, Let's see who else we got here. Andre uh, Frailberg is here, Tim. We got, um, let's see, we have the Regzer Show is here. Joe DeLong is here. Uh, so many, Tim. Mr. Silverball Mania is here. He says hello from the Buckeye State. So there we go, Tim. We got a lot of people in the live chat. We're so glad to have you guys all here. Uh, Tim, this may be our biggest crowd ever. So uh, so thank you guys for joining us. Election coverage, John. They needed a break. I don't. You know what? I need a break too. This is why we're doing this. I feel like, uh, you know, I think that everybody's been glued to their sets here in the United States for a while since all the voting went down, just trying to figure out who's going to win this thing. And uh, Tim, we still don't know. And that was Tuesday. So, um, but I'm not going to get into that too much. Maybe in the after show. So if you guys want to hear more about that, we'll talk about that in the after show, right, Tim? Right. Let's keep we're here to talk about. Yeah, we're making arcade. Again. Exactly, correct. We're here to talk about that, or to talk about arcade repair at least. So, uh, Wasteland Warriors here too, Tim from Indiana. So we have people from all over the United States. You know, um, Tim, I was thinking, you know, people are making those maps of like different things, like you know, to kind of mimic the electoral maps that we've seen. I was thinking about making a map from like how many questions have we gotten from each state? Because I think a lot of people would be interested in that. But I was too lazy to do it before the show, so I mean, it is what it is. It'll probably take a lot of time. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. But um, we could probably do it. I think I could break it down uh, if I just did search for each individual state like in my emails or something like that we could probably get them but uh tim i can almost bet you we've gotten a question from every state the only two i think that'd be the toughest would be alaska and hawaii and i believe we have not, we have questions from them in the past so i'll have to do that at some point maybe it'll be a fun thing to do but tim let's just so, go ahead if we had won the electoral votes for each of them states we'd be in pretty good shape <laughs> i think i think it would have been a clean sweep tim and uh, nobody's gotten right. that as far as i know ever so there you go but uh, anyway, let's see. We have Andre says, what about the one-up virtual pinball and other companies announcing virtual pinball? So, Tim, uh, again, something we put, didn't put on the outline, but what do you think about some of the virtual pinball products that are coming out? 
Well, you know, when when until we ever played one, we didn't really see the point. And we played a few before that we liked, so I don't see that. Yeah, I see that there's a market for it, especially with kids and stuff. I think that um, they'll probably do pretty good because, face it, the cost of a real pinball machine is really expensive right now, and it does allow you to kind of. Uh, relive some of the pinball magic, although it's definitely not the same. Yeah, and I, and that's it, Tim. But you know, uh, Arcade One Up has theirs. That's probably the one I'm the most interested in, and that's the Attack from Mars one. Have you seen that one? And it comes yeah. with a lot of classic Williams games on it. And there's a lot of people who can experience these games for the first time, maybe for the first time in just a long time. But if I was out there in the market for one, it's five to six hundred dollars for that virtual pinball machine, Tim. For the titles you get, it seems like a really good deal. Yeah. It's so. not a real pinball machine, okay? But for that price, you don't care, right? I mean, right. that's what it comes down to. So I still think uh, you're going to play the games. You're going to get the the somewhat of the experience. You won't get the physicalness that you get with like a traditional pinball machine. But for most people, at that price range, I think they'll be happy with it. So Yeah, but it may cause you also, kind of like Maine did for us, um, it may make you want to buy that pinball after you play it virtually for a while. Then you say, man, I really would like to get a black hole or whatever the game is. Uh, based on I'm enjoying it here, I know I would enjoy it on the real pinball machine. Absolutely. So this could, uh, we talked about Arcade One Up being kind of the quote-unquote gateway drug to being like, a, you know, to collecting full-size arcade games. These pin, virtual pinball machines may be that gateway drug to owning a real one eventually. But Tim, like you mentioned, I mean, you're talking about $600 versus $6,000 for a brand new pinball machine. It's still a big step up to get a new one. Yeah. So that's something to always keep in mind. But uh, yeah, the 1UP also has the, um, and Andres mentioned this too, has the the nudge, tilt, and haptic uh, feedback, which is very cool. But still, it's very hard to really emulate the visceralness of a pinball machine, if that makes sense. The physicality yeah. of it, you really can't get that across. Even with haptic feedback, it doesn't give you the same. And Tim, the, thing, the biggest fault with virtual pinball is that the ball is predictable when I play virtual pinball. You know what I'm saying? Like, it bounces. The physics are not as real as what you get in a, tr in a real pinball machine. And, of course, anybody who's played multiple versions of the same machine will tell you each machine plays differently, which is always something that that, that uh, was cool to me. Is like, you can play... Uh, I have a Monopoly. I've played several Monopolies. And, Tim, it seems like, you know, they play close, but no two play exactly the same. There's always little things with each one that, that are kind of a little bit different, which is always fun to figure out, so... I can see that. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I think it's great, though. Price range is, is, is in the same price range as what you're getting for the other Arcade 1UP products, and I think there are going to be a lot of people who buy these things who will be very happy with them. Toy Shock has been, uh, has got, had theirs out there for a while, Tim. It seems like they're doing pretty good with it. So, uh, you know, people people are buying Arcade 1UP, the arcade mini units, and they're happy with them. People are going to buy these things, and they're going to be happy with them, too. So, um, you know, and hey, heck, I may end up with one if uh, they hit the clearance rack at some point, right? Yep. So there you go. Well, Tim, let's go ahead and get into our outline for this episode. Now, the first thing we have here, Tim, is not a question, but a follow-up from John, who sent in a question about the Street Fighter II marquee lights, if you remember. You remember that one, Tim? I do remember so that So I'm going to go ahead and throw his response up here, Tim. But he says, I just wanted to write in and say thank you for responding to my question. I wanted to update you with a little background. I just started restoring an arcade with no previous knowledge of working with one before. I ended up using the original marquee light because I wasn't confident putting the new one in. I put the same question and pictures up on Reddit and the internet ripped me a new one because of my lack of knowledge. I just wanted to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for not only answering my question on the show, but for being kind and patient with me. Thanks again. You earned a lifelong fan. Now, Tim, that is what we try to do here at Arcade Repair Tips, correct? 
Correct. Everybody started somewhere. We don't want to make anybody feel... There, there is no such thing as a dumb question. Exactly. And, you know, people may notice that we get a lot of the same question, even though it may be about a different game or whatever. Uh, it seems like we get a lot of similar monitor questions or a lot of similar power supply questions, and we'll cover them again. But the reason why, Tim, is that a lot of people haven't gone through our extensive back catalog of stuff to know exactly what we said in the past. And so, you know, we, we're getting these questions in from you guys you know, every month they come in. And so we just want to make sure that we cover those with you. And even if it's the first time we've answered a question like yours, or if it's the 107th, we want to treat you the same way each time, right? Yeah. And it's hard. And I understand, like, people get frustrated with, uh, you know, with newbies sometimes because it's like, you, you know, they their knowledge level may be way up here and they don't have a good way of explaining it to them. But here we're always, we're always striving to try to explain it, explain it to the lowest <laughs> beginner level guy because... You know, we want to make sure that if he understands it, then everybody up the up the chain will understand that too. It doesn't matter if you're a beginner or intermediate or advanced or expert or wherever you're at. If we can get the basic guy, the beginner guy, to somewhat understand what's going on, then once you move up the ladder, you get to expert, then you'll really know what's going on. And so by by kind of by kind of going with that beginner intermediate level explanation of things, it really helps. I think people get into the hobby, and that's what we want to encourage, right, Tim? Yeah. John, I don't know. Have I ever told you about my Phillips screwdriver story? No, uh, maybe, but it's been a while. So, Well, I know I haven't told everybody in the audience, so if you'll give me just a minute, i got a really good story. One time I was working on a game when I was at Chuck E. Cheese, and, and I was up under the game, and I needed a Phillips. So I caught a guy. He was a new guy. He was just walking by, and I won't throw him under the bus and tell his name or anything, but I said, hey, can you go get me a Phillips screwdriver, please? And he said, yeah, I'll be right back. Well, I, I didn't want to come out of the game because I was up under it, so I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting. About 10 minutes go by. And I thought, man, what in the world, you know? Finally, this guy comes back. Then I told him, I said, man, what is taking you so long? He said, I'm sorry, Mr. Peterson. I've asked everybody, and there's nobody named Philip here. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I, so I got to talking to him and realized he really had no idea. He'd never heard that term in his life. Um, he, so I said, you know what? I'm going to bring you in on a Thursday morning. I'm going to have you clean some games. And I went through the toolbox with him, and I showed him what a Phillips screwdriver was, showed him what nut driver, showed him what different tools we used. It wasn't long. He picked up a lot of things. And today, Jonathan, he has been a technician for Chuck E. Cheese probably for about seven or eight years and has his own store. He works on automobiles on the side and stuff. So you never know what that person could end up being. And I've even called that he's even helped me before on another issue because he's very computer smart and some things like that, the newer style games. He's very good at programming and things like that. So you, you see what I'm saying? It's like just because you have that knowledge and nobody's ever showed you or you had the fortune Fortunate that somebody taught you at a young age, don't mistake that somebody else, just because they don't know, they may have something they can teach you also. So not only should you be a teacher, you should also be trainable 
and uh, teachable yourself. Absolutely, Tim. And you know, I mean, you take we take that for granted. Obviously, Tim, when I was growing up, my dad showed me what all the tools were. But not everybody, you know, some people may not grow up with a dad. Some people may just not grow up with a dad that's very, you know, very tool savvy, right? I mean, that could be it all as right. well. So, I mean, you may not ever be exposed to that information. If you're never exposed to it, then obviously you don't know you don't know what a Phillips head screwdriver is. But yeah, that's what it comes down to, Tim. We don't know where everybody is individually on their skill level, but we try to help out everybody. At, at, you know, on that beginner to intermediate level so that, you know, they we kind of break it down for them so that it doesn't matter if they're more advanced than that. At least that way they have an understanding of basically what's going on in most cases. So, okay, Tim, well, let's go ahead and get into the questions for this month. And the first one we have is from Matt. So I'll go ahead and throw his question up here. And he says, I have a Time Crisis 3 that has two working CPUs with everything plugged in and set up. However, the settings menu test tree won't work. I have no way to get to the gun calibration, sound, or free play options. Any help is great. Is greatly appreciated. Thank you, Matt from Atlanta, Georgia. So, Tim, we have Matt here from Atlanta, Georgia. He has a Time Crisis 3, which is a very popular gun game, Tim. A lot of people love Time Crisis, myself included in that. And so he's wondering how to get to, to his settings test um, menu tree. It seems like he's having a hard time. He's trying maybe to hit the button on the inside, and it's just not working. Uh, what advice do you have for Matt with his Time Crisis 3? Well, you know, a lot of these were kits and stuff, but we looked at the manual for the game. It looked like inside of most of their coin doors, you should see um, a set of switches and stuff, and one of them would say test, um, and that you should switch to the on position. Uh, you may need to do that and then turn the game on, kind of like the 60 and one doesn't always go right into the settings just because you flipped it on. I'm not sure about that. But from there, you should be able to navigate and go through some of the settings. The problem is a lot of times when those switches aren't working that either the wiring on the back side of the switch has come undone or um, the ground wire has a break in the chain somewhere. So you may need to get your meter out. Or in the worst case scenario, John, we have seen lazy operators that were so quick to get the game up they never installed a coin or a test switch. Uh, so he's going to need to learn how to walk, read um, his test sweat settings and stuff, but it should be JAMA, so that shouldn't be too difficult to find and track it back if he needs to. But hopefully it's just something really simple like a bad wire or maybe he's not hitting the test switch. Uh, flipping it over to get into his settings, I'm not sure. Now, Tim, one of the things I've noticed about these, and, and, and for the record, Time Crisis 3, I think most of the times, is in a dedicated cabinet. I don't think I've seen a kit for it. And so it's well, probably not a, a, a operator wiring issue. But it does seem like manufacturers use the flimsiest wires on these coin doors, have you, or like the coin door test switches and things. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah, it seems like the smallest gauge little tiny wire... Uh, that is correct. It's like the <laughs> cheapest things that they could get away with. And I can't tell you how many times that wiring has had issues on on the uh, on that little inside panel inside the coin door, Tim. I think we've seen that tons of times. Not only that, they tend to use like the cheapest buttons and switches that they can find for that. Right. I have seen many. There's just a lot of times a little bitty switch. And uh, you get somebody going in there and hitting it real hard trying to get a lot of credits or something. They do, they're supposed to be a momentary switch. And a lot of them do break or they come unscrewed or fall down in the bottom of the game or whatever. You know, it's very 
likely that something like that could happen. Exactly. So I'm going to go ahead and show the slide, Tim. You already talked about a lot of this stuff, but according to the manual for the game, the test switch should be located inside the coin door, of course. When you slide the test switch to the on position, the test menu screen should be displayed on the monitor. Tim, you mentioned that you may have to restart the game. The manual says as soon as you switch it, it should go into test mode. So there shouldn't be any kind of yeah. delay. There's no restart on that on this one. So, and then it says from there, you can use the select up and down switch to navigate the menu, which you'll see in the picture here. Now, if nothing happens when the test switch is in the on position, you need to check that wiring. Like what you're talking about, Tim, this is some of the flimsiest wiring in the entire arcade game, it seems like, that we see on these coin door, inside coin door panels. So check the wiring, make sure that you're getting, uh, you're getting your ground wires are connected properly and that the switch is connected properly to, to your harness or to your board. Tim, I'm not 100% sure that this is JAMA because it's been a, I mean, it, a newer games like this sometimes just have an independent harness. I didn't look at the manual to see if it was JAMA. So it may just have independent harnesses. And knowing Namco with games like this, it may not be JAMA. So I will say that. So you do need to make sure, yeah, I was about to say, you do need to make sure that you just trace it back from whatever harness you're using. Find where the test switch wire is on that harness and then trace it all the way to the actual test switch on the panel to make sure that you're getting a good connection there. And to make sure that your ground wires all check out. You can use the continuity test on your meter, like this says, to make sure that it is connected properly. You can also use continuity on the switch itself, right, Tim? So to make sure the switch isn't that bad. For sure, or sometimes just they get gunked up or something, you know. They're just not quite clicking over like they should. Exactly. So, I mean, very common. Like I said, it seems like they use the cheapest switches and buttons on these inside coin door panels that they can get away with, and then the wiring is as flimsy as all get out. So you definitely need to check the switches and the buttons, make sure they're working properly, and then check all the wiring back to your harness to make sure everything's connected properly. And if you do that, Tim, I think you will be in good shape. Very common issue for sure, right, Tim? Yeah. So any other advice for Matt before we move on? No, I don't think so, Matt. Let us know what you find out, though, because, like I said, it could be a combination of things. Absolutely. So, But, again, I think switches, wiring, and just making sure that everything's connected properly is going to go a long way to solving this problem. So, Matt, hopefully it answers your question, and good luck getting into the test menu of your Time Crisis 3 arcade unit. Okay, Tim, we've got a couple of questions here in the live chat, so I'm going to go ahead and throw those to you real quick. Has anyone tried RK Jason's Pi Position PCB for pole position? Now, Tim, I think I actually sent you a, um, a, a post to this, correct? Yeah, you did, um, because um, we've always had a lot of troubles with those games in the past, and uh, we're pretty excited. Of course, we don't have one at this moment, um, but... When, uh, we've kind of shot away even from having pole positions because they're such a pain to keep up and going. Yeah. So the cool thing about this board, as I understand it, Tim, is that it plays pole position one and two, and it plays it in a Raspberry Pi style um, board, but the board also has the original harness connectors for pole position, which is great, which means it's basically a plug-and-play solution, which is fantastic. But, I mean, I, I think it is emulation still, though, Tim, but, you know, we've gotten to a point with emulation that, especially for classic games, it's pretty spot-on. Yeah, it's pretty close. So, no, we haven't done it, but I'd love to hear some feedback if anybody in the chat room or, or anybody else has. Exactly. So, and it seems like several people have ordered them. Greg mentions that he his has not arrived yet, Tim. So, it does sound like several people have ordered them already. And for those who have gotten them, we'd love to hear what you guys think about them because I think it's awesome. Uh, as Tim mentioned, Pole Position is one of those games that's really hard to keep working. There's a lot of mods you can do to the board to kind of bulletproof it and things. But, Tim, even with those mods, you can still have issues, correct? Yeah. 
Now it's giving me some hope. Maybe I'll maybe my next game build I'll build a sit down pole position. So now I may be mistaken, but wasn't your first full size arcade unit that you owned a pole position? The very first game I ever bought was a pole position one. I remember it. So it was a nice one. Uh huh. But uh, yeah, yeah, it was a stand up unit. You had no, you had a sit down too at one point. Yes, I did. And I think we have pictures of it somewhere. But yeah, you had both of them at one point. But. Man, it's a fun game. It's uh, you know when it came out, Tim. I don't know if there's really anything else like it graphic wise. It definitely blew people away. Yeah, it was for, it was really hot at the time in the arcade, but a quick game too because it didn't last. That's long. right, exactly. So, but it's glad I'm glad to hear that people are obviously taking steps to restore these things, Tim. And I keep seeing these posts where people are are reengineering custom chips. I don't know if you've seen a lot of these, but there's a lot of people who are yeah. putting efforts into reengineering some of these custom chips that we can't get anymore. And all I can say is God bless you people because we need to keep these games running as long as possible. And the more custom chips that we can find replacements for, that we can create replacements for, the more boards that are going to be saved going forward. And so, Tim, there's a lot of these chips you just can't get anymore. And so finding, you know, finding people who are creating replacement custom chips for these things is just awesome. So thank, thank you for all the work you do if you're out there working on that kind of stuff. So. Uh, okay, Tim, I have a question from Joe real quick. He says, I recently obtained a Tato Space Invaders Cabaret. Unfortunately, the CRT tube is shot. I have blue sparks in the neck. Any idea where I could find one? So, Tim, it does sound like his tube may be shorted, correct? Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> that's not... Is that the color one or the black he one? He just says white? Space Invaders. He doesn't He doesn't specify whether like which type of Space Invaders it is. I'm going to assume black and white, but I'm not for sure. It's a cabaret. That's the Wells Garner one. Um, it it's probably repairable. I don't know that you can. They're getting pretty rare. Well, I was I gonna mean, say even. Made, excuse me. Even with like the, the the blue sparking inside the neck, you think it? You think it's? You think it would be repairable? Well, it depends on where all it's coming from. Um, that inside the neck doesn't necessarily mean that it's um, his neck or his tube. It could be that is that's something coming getting feedback through his, from his monitor. Okay, so I would definitely look into trying to repair it. Okay, I mean, yeah, it's probably going to be about the best place to find. Yeah, one. I was about to say. I, I mean, if it's a black and white, that's kind of clueless on me. I haven't worked on too many of those, and you probably you probably have more experience than I do, Tim, as far as that goes. And so, um, if you think it's repairable, that's great. I I'm gonna <laughs> I'm hesitant to say that, but I don't know if he he could probably do a replacement LCD. I wouldn't recommend that though. I think if you can repair the current monitor, that'd be the way to go. But uh, and I know there's some black and white replacement um, or not replacement, but there's some good repair guides on black and white raster monitors out there, Tim, that I've seen specifically with Space Invaders yeah. because that seems like there's a lot of them out there, and there are people who have documented that. And I can't think of. Any websites in particular that have those guides, but um, but I'll if I think of one, I'll post it or we'll we'll uh, send it to you, Joe. But um, yeah, I mean, if you can repair it, that'd be the way to go. But if you may have a, a shorted tube, it's very possible. And if that if that's the case, the only way you're going to be able to fix it is by going with a tube replacement. So. Let's see what else we got here, Tim. Danny says, I got a Final Lap 2 double double sit-down arcade. I was wondering if I go to test mode, if I could change how many laps you race. Not sure on that one, Tim. Uh, so you'll have to check the manual for that, Danny, to see um, if it has that modification in the in the um, settings for it. I, because some games, Tim, that's kind of a finite thing, and some games allow you to modify it, correct? Yeah. So... Yeah, I remember on Final, final Lap 2. I don't remember. 
remember. We've that. worked on several Final Lap 2s, but I've never really gotten into yeah. the test mode to okay. change anything. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, don't really know. Like I said, manual would tell you for sure. So definitely consult the manual on that and see see what it says. Maybe you just change the time or something, but I don't remember exactly correct. There you go. Uh, so we'll leave it at that, Danny. Check the manual and see if it's got that setting in there. Um, with Namco, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if it did, Tim, because Namco, it seems like they give you a lot of good settings in those test menus. So uh, let's see. Wasteland Warrior. RK Jason is always asking the committee for suggestions on new projects, so check him out on YouTube. Yeah, RK Jason does some great work, guys. If you're not if you're not checking out his channel, you should, especially if you're if you're fans of arcade repair stuff, because he does a lot of great stuff over there. So uh, and and thank him again for making the pie position board. I think it's awesome. Let's see what else we have. And Joe did confirm black and white on that, Tim. Yeah, it's black and so, white. It should be a 13-inch, too, because he said it was a cabaret. Correct. Version. It's probably the 13-inch. That's what we mostly see in cabarets. So, um, But there are some repair guides for those, Tim, like you mentioned. And if I find them, uh, we, well, we, we can post them in the show notes below uh, for the video here, Joe. So if I find those, we'll let you know. Uh, let's see. And uh, Greg says try a rejuvenation. And Tim, if it is a short or something, a rejuvenation may help it, correct? Yeah, I'm not sure on that black and white monitor, but it might. You should be able to find... It's going to need a socket adapter that's probably an uncommon one, right, Tim? And that's going to be the that's trick. Wondering about. Yeah, that's going to be the trick is finding the is finding the socket adapter for it. If you can find that, you should be in good shape. Let's see. Um, okay. I'm just trying to catch up on it. Oh, Headless Horseman's here. He says hello. Uh, and Louis just, uh, Louis just met, people were asking where to send your arcade chassis off to for repair. Um, we do have a lot of places on our resources page, guys. Uh, Andre says P&L. We do recommend P&L, right, Tim? P&L seems to be the cheapest, but they don't always do like a, they don't do a, a full, uh, what do you call it? Uh, what do we call it when we do like, when we replace everything? <laughs> yeah, they, they don't do the shotgun approach. They pretty much fix what the problem is and that's it. They don't do a full cap kit. Right, exactly. So, Which is fine if that's all you need or you want to get it working. A rebuild. That's the th that was what I was thinking rebuild, of. Yeah, yeah. P&L's not going to do a full rebuild on your on your monitor chassis. They're going to fix the one problem and send it back to you. It, they're usually cheaper as far as repairs go, but you're, you're going to get it back basically in the, shame, in the same shape it was. And if there are other components that fail, you all have to send it back in. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, Eugene Mosh, somebody mentioned in the Arcade Help group. Sure, that he's a good guy to send it to. Paul Jure, Tim, who is always a lot of times in our live chat and also sends in a lot of videos. He does very good work. So if you're looking for somebody, I think it's Jure Monitors is his website, something like that. You may look him up. He's good too. Um, but there's a lot of great there's a lot of great um, repair people. And Tim, we have, we have used Chad at Arcade Cup for all sorts of things, right? Yeah, Chad's not always the cheapest, to be honest. But I've never had any problems when I got it back. It's always been uh, well done. Yeah. And um, Tim, I think Rexer's show sent an email in today, and he said he was using Sharp Image, which we've used Sharp Image before in the past for repairs as well, out of uh, Las yeah. Vegas, and they are out of Nevada. I don't know if it's Las Vegas for sure, but out of Nevada, we shipped, shipped off yeah. chassis to them. They fixed them. So I mean, there's a lot. There's still a lot of good monitor repair people out there if you need your, if you need help with that. So. Let's see what else. Um, Joe says, I have a GORF with a Wells Gunner 4600 that occasionally has a vertical stripe, Tim. Now, uh, um, Joe, when we're saying vertical stripe, are we talking about like a single vertical stripe? Or are we talking about like, you know, like little zigzaggy lines? What are we talking about as far as as far as vertical stripe, I guess is the question. So let us know and we'll we'll try to answer that question a little bit better, right, Tim? Yeah, is he talking about just a one shade dark down the middle or sideways? 
um, or is it collapsing and then going back? Exactly. That well, yeah, that's what we want to know. So are you are you like one straight vertical stripe line down the middle? Or are you getting kind of like these zigzaggy lines that are kind of vertical stripes that kind of look like that? Um, that's really what we need to know. So let us know, and we'll we'll come back to that one, Tim. Oh, he says a single line. So uh, coming back okay. to that, so he's having he's having collapse. Yeah. So yeah, so Joe, we have an entire um, post on repairing monitor collapse issues, and it features our good friend Michael, who unfortunately Tim is not going to be doing a Michael's Minute this month because he's uh, he's out of uh, he's out of his state and our state uh, working on things. Work. Exactly, he's he's working. He's actually been out of work for a while because um, he works oil field stuff, Tim, and obviously that slowed down for a bit, but he got called back, and so we're thankful that he got called back, but unfortunately, Michael is out of pocket for this month, so hopefully we can get a video from him next month, but uh, we're just glad that he's back working again and uh, getting stuff done, and hopefully we can get a Michael's Minute soon, but again, Joe, check out our video and post on repairing monitor collapse issues. Michael does an excellent job of explaining exactly what causes that. We talk about the different types of collapse. We talk about vertical. We talk about horizontal collapse, the differences, and what we see most often then that video on post should help you out quite a bit. So check that out and please let us know uh, if you have any additional questions once you've done that. Okay, I think we're caught up, Tim. So let us continue on with our outline. And the next question we have is from David. And David says, hello, I was wondering if you had some ideas on a problem I've been having. I received an original Donkey Kong arcade cabinet for my 40th birthday. Upon purchasing, I had, I had the board recapped and the flyback replaced as the original owner suggested those repairs. I am not sure it did the trick. My monitor is very blurry for the first 15 minutes on boot and increasingly as of late. Once it, had, it has been booted for a period of time, it is sharp, clear, and in focus. I read that potentially the focus pot might be goofy, so... I since worked the pot back and forth. I have not cleaned it, need to get the spray, or had it replaced a bit beyond my skill. Any other thoughts that might be the culprit? Thanks in advance, David. So Tim, I noticed when I read this email that David basically mentions the first two things that we would recommend for this repair right off the bat, right? He mentions that he already did a cap kit. He already did the flyback replacement. So Tim, we have to go beyond that now. So what do you think's going on with David's monitor? Now, this is a Donkey Kong. So pretty darn sure it's a Sanyo 20EZ in there that we're dealing with. So with that in mind, Tim, what other advice would you give to David beyond the standard cap kit and flyback replacement for a slow focusing monitor? Well, you said the key word standard cap kit uh, doesn't always come with all the caps. And sometimes it's just the filter cap or something. Because the way he describes it is that after 15 minutes, once it gets warm, then it's fine. Now, I did mention that there's a focus pot and that, you know, he need to do some cleaning and stuff, so he may want to touch up the solder in there, or he could have a bad pot there, but um, sounds like he's done pretty much what we'd expect him to do. The only thing may be some of the caps that didn't come with his kit may need to be replaced. And then it's more rare, but we could, we, I would look at the, um, the hot... Uh, just in case that, you know, it it, does, it could cause something like that that's not getting the voltage through fast enough. You know, it's not really throwing the charge out there like it needs to. It's taking a while to warm up. And, uh, you know, I guess um, it's not a horrible deal to have to deal with. if you just But to wait 15 minutes seems like a long time. Definitely something else is still not working or failing in that um, in that area. So I would probably change the hot out if nothing else works. Now, Tim, obviously, I, it seems like um, tube issues could be part of this as well, correct? 
could be a rejuvenation that he needs to do. Maybe a short, like you're saying, uh, just taking a while for it to get just out of focus and stuff. Uh, definitely wouldn't hurt at this point either. Sounds good. Now, Tim, David's actually in the live chat tonight. So, hi, David. Thanks for sending in your question. Okay. And, hey, awesome that you got a Donkey Kong for your 40th birthday, might I add. I think that's the best 40th birthday present you could get, Tim. I can't think of anything better except maybe a Ferrari. But, <laughs> but um, you know, or, or a Tesla or something. But uh, beyond that, Tim, I can't think of too many 40th birthday presents that are as good as the Donkey Kong cabinet, correct? Yeah, I don't know if his wife or his buddies or who pitched in on that one, but, uh, you know, that sounds like a cool present, all right? Absolutely. So, now, David asked if we got his follow-up email. I did. We did get your follow-up email, and I did read through it. And so, you know, basically, though, we were going to say the same thing, even with the additional information, but we do thank you for sending that in because it did give us a little bit more to go on. But Tim kind of hit a lot of the high points here that I think we were going to cover. And so you did, like we mentioned up front, the first two things that we'd recommend for this, cap kit flyback replacement. But, you know, Michael has said this several times. Tim, you just said it. Cap kits don't always come with all the caps you need. Sometimes cap kits just come with the most common caps. And so wherever you get your cap kit from makes a lot of difference. And Tim, uh, we a lot of times recommend Syracuse Semiconductor as one of our cap kit suppliers. Syracuse Semiconductor has a basically a cap kit that's the common caps and a cap kit with every cap. They, they literally sell two caps for every or two um, kits for every chassis. And so, you know, it's like, do you do the common kit or do you get the whole kit? That's really, it really depends on, you know, what your problem is. But Tim, you'd be surprised how many times you order a cap kit and it's just, the, the problem is a different cap, correct? Yeah, especially, like I said, those filter caps and one. And the filter caps are basically, in layman's terms, are real tiny ones, the little bitty ones. So you don't always get those. And uh, that's where I would uh, draw a little attention to, hopefully. Exactly. So make sure that you go through and see which caps have been replaced. Tim, a lot of times you can tell if a cap's been replaced uh, as to, you know, how much dirt and things it has on it, especially with a game like Donkey Kong. You can probably tell, like, which ones were replaced and which ones weren't. And if you see any caps that weren't, especially if they're in the power supply section, Tim, right, you may go through and replace those just to be sure that um, that they're good. Because, Tim, a lot of times a, a cap that's, you know, just starting to die, it takes a little bit longer for it to let that voltage out that it needs and that can cause that blurring that you're talking about, correct? Right. So the other thing that you mentioned, Tim, is horizontal output transistor. Tim, you mentioned it was rare. I will second that as well. This is rare. It's rare that we see the horizontal output transistor cause this type of boot-up blurring, but I've seen it. And that's what I'm going to say. Normally when it goes, it's going to lose power. You're not going to have any volt, you know, any power. But it could be that it's fixing a go Exactly, yeah. right. So we've seen it before. It's rare. But it's happened that a, a hot will cause this kind of boot-up blurring. And like Tim mentioned, it's because it's just about to go. It's, it's, it's kind of leaning on that edge. And like I said, not common, but it happens. And so it may be good to just replace it anyway just to be on the safe side. And then the last thing that we mentioned, of course, was the tube. It may be an issue with the tube. And so at that point, you can try tube rejuvenation, see if it helps, clear out any shorts or anything that may be in the tube. Uh, and, you know, that, you know, obviously, Tim, you know how stuff just kind of builds up in the tube over time. Uh, tube rejuvenation can help burn off some of that and hopefully get the picture back to being stable on boot up as well. Now, Tim, this is not a huge, I, I will say this to David, I mean, it is kind of an inconvenience, but it's not really a huge deal because after about 15 minutes it starts working perfectly correct right so it's not like it's like i said it's not like it's a huge deal because you know after a 15 minute period you're still working but we totally understand the desire to want it looking good from the get-go right 
Oh, yeah, and that is an indicator that something is going out or going bad. So. Absolutely. So, David, let's summarize it for him real quick, Tim. Make sure that all of the caps were replaced, That that um, like all the caps are replaced. If you see any caps that still look like they may be older, you may try replacing those because, again, not every cap kit comes with every cap. That's very important. So check over your caps. Make sure that everything looks good there. May try a, a hot replacement or a horizontal output transistor replacement. Again, this is rare, but we have seen it before where it has caused blurring. And so it is possible that you may have an issue with your hot going bad. Try replacing it. And, Tim, the picture, I'll go back to the outline real quick is of the hot on the Sanyo uh, that I have there. That picture is of the horizontal output transistor on the Sanyo. And so just, that's why I put that there. I know it's just not, it's not a random picture. Uh, and, you know, I know a lot of the guys in the chat room know what that is, but David may not. So I wanted to show him, this is what we're talking about when we're talking about hot, is this little, this little guy right here on the side. And so that's what you want to replace if, uh, if you want to go that route to see if it helps the issue. And Tim, the third thing is, of course, a tube rejuvenation, correct? Right. So, and, and tube rejuvenators, I mean, you can buy one yourself, but if you only have one game, you may see if you've got a local VCR TV repair business anywhere around that, that may be able to uh, help you out with that. Because, Tim, um, a lot of those old timers, if you've got a TV VCR place that repairs stuff that's been around for 30 or 40 years, I can almost guarantee you they'll have a tube rejuvenator in the back. And so it may be worth taking it there, getting it rejuvenated, and seeing if it helps the issue at all. So those three things, try those, David. See how it works out for you and let us know what you find. Tim, anything else before we move on? No, I don't think so. Sounds good. So, David, hopefully it answers your question. And good luck getting that Donkey Kong monitor to look as sharp as can be on boot up. Okay, Tim, we got a lot of uh, a lot of action in the live chat, but it looks like Louie's taking care of a lot of it for us. And so um, that's good. Let's see. Um, One Pawn Star says, is there a difference in quality between VGA CRT monitor and the original arcade monitor? Uh, Tim, yeah. so VGA CRTs tend to have sharper images, uh, sharper pictures, correct? I, I believe so. A lot of because a lot of them have a digital chip, right? So these tend to be like more like the digital monitors that we'd see, like a D ninety two hundred. Now, if you've got a TriSync monitor already in your cabinet, a TriSync um, arcade monitor would be pretty darn close to what you get with a standard VGA monitor, correct? Correct. And when we mean by TriSync, that means it uses the the standard fifteen kilohertz. Um, uh, 15 kilohertz signal it uses a 25 kilohertz which is medium resolution signal and it also uses the 31 kilohertz vga signal as well right tim right. and so places you can plug in depending on what kind of game you have correct so um there a lot of newer games tim use the trisync monitor it's very common in games that were made 2000 and up correct so, so uh, yeah. CRTs that you find in games that were manufactured 1999-2000 and up a lot of times are TriSync. So you're going to get about the same quality out of that that you get out of a VGA, a standard VGA CRT monitor. But uh, stuff before that, you know, you may have a little bit sharper image off of the VGA CRT. Um, but you got to remember that your VGA CRT also has to be compatible with the 15 kilohertz in order to run it or you need some sort of signal converter. So that's something to keep in mind. But in general, obviously VGA monitors tend to be sharper than than standard, uh, standard arcade monitors just because of the way, you know, obviously the, the, sync, the, the sinks. So, but you know, I mean, it's just nowadays though, Tim, it seems like, uh, we don't see, we don't see many, um, CRT monitors at all, period. Correct? No, not hard. Right. And, mm-hmm. and for replacement purposes, most people are going LCD and that's it's just, it is the way it is just cause you know, CRTs, you can't find them. So, but there you go. Hopefully answers your question one pun star and, uh, you know, good luck with whatever projects you've got coming up involving that. Uh, Louis, yeah, Louis has a lot of um, stuff. He, oh, he's he's um, he's recommending our DVDs to people. Tim, I want to thank Louis for that. Tim, we are out of our Volume One DVD, and I have not reordered. 
Um, so I apologize to anybody who wants to order that up front. I need to reorder some, but I'm lazy and we don't get a lot of orders for it anymore. And so it's one of those things where it's like, man, uh, we just kind of have it on hold. I still have plenty of the two, the three and the four. So if you're ordering DVDs, you can order a two, a three and a four and it's fine. Uh, but the, the volume one right now is a rarity. So if you have one, I'll eventually reorder. It's just going to take me a little bit. So. As long as I don't have to shoot on videos again. No, you don't have to. I still have them all recorded, you know. Uh, and and right. ba backed up to the cloud, so if there's ever a crash, I think we'll be okay. Oh, okay. Uh, and I have, I, ha I still have physical copies of, of some of the Volume 1, so I just don't have oh, a okay. nice prepackaged, straight-to-ship Volume 1 ready to go. So, but anyway. Uh, but if you are ordering DVDs, guys, just keep that in mind. You, here's the thing. It costs you the same amount to order, like, the trilogy as it does to order the individual. So order 2, 3, and 4, and then when we get more Volume 1s in, just order that, and I'll ship it to you, okay? Yeah. If anybody wants to pay triple, they can have my copy and all. Oh, there you go. <laughs> $45, right? So, yeah, there you go. For one. Okay, um, let's see what else we got here. Wanderlust Rider says, thanks for doing this stream. You're welcome. Glad, thanks for joining us. We love to have you here. YouTube Punk says, no, I'm late. You're not late. You're right on time. That's what I always say, Tim. Right. So you can catch the rest of the show whenever. There's no, there's no late here, right? So... Uh, let's see. Wasteland Warrior. I have a 13-inch CRT monitor that came out of a Mega Touch, and I believe it's VGA. Is it possible to put it in a Pac-Man Cabaret with a converter? Um, actually, yeah. it uh, it it may be possible to, to just hook it straight up, correct? Yeah, maybe. Most of them are arcade-style uh, monitors. In right. There. So, like, in a Mega Touch, a lot of times what you have is a standard Wells Garner monitor with a touch overlay, correct? Yeah. So all you have to do is just put it in and don't hook up the overlay part. So Correct. if you do that, then you're fine. It's the same, uh, you know. Now, if it, it may be, it may be v, VGA, or if it's a different, if it is VGA, you will need the signal converter, like we're talking about, in order to get it down to, um, in order to connect it to the Pac-Man board. But if it, if it's a 15 kilohertz monitor, it'll hook straight up. There'll be no conversion needed. So um, it just depends on what kind of monitor you're pulling out of that machine. Let's see. Oh, YouTube Punk says Volume One sold out. Yes, Volume One is sold out. <laughs> so. Um, Oh, people are already talking about Volume 5. So Volume 5, we need a video for cha uh, changing a 29-inch CRT to LCD, LED, and a sit-down driver cabinet. Huh. Uh, okay. That's a little specific. It is very specific. You know, uh, Tim, I think we're about... We're in the process of changing out a 27-inch CRT to a 26-inch LCD in a customer's cabinet, correct? Yeah. Pretty much the same process. Pretty much. So um, you, I, I'm not promising videos. I'm just saying that we're going to be doing that and filming it at some point. <laughs> so we'll see. I, I, I really thought I should have took a video today when I was doing the routing for the T-Molding. I don't know that we... Did we show that one on the volume? You know, one? I don't think we've ever shown routing for T-Molding. It's not that hard to do. I'll, I'll Maybe I'll try to, we'll try to do that if anybody's interested. Make your own. Uh, and put T-molding on it. It's real easy to do. It doesn't take long at Absolutely. all. I think it's good. It's a good idea, Tim. Let's see what else we have. Um, oh, somebody says the 13-inch will need to be re reframed. Yeah, I'm not sure. I thought the Pac-Man Cabaret has a 13-inch too, right, Tim? Uh, you got one. I, don't I think know. it is 13-inch. I think it is. So they're saying <laughs> yeah. it has to be reframed. I think, you. I mean, I think the tube size, if the tube size is the same, it may be okay. Now, it, yeah, as far as like mounting it, yeah. I'm not sure if the frame mounts the same. Yeah, that may be That's that may have to change. You can switch frames or something. Right, exactly. You may have you may have to move the chassis and the tube to the frame in the Pac-Man Cabaret, but it's doable. Doable. Yeah. Uh, let's see. 
Shop Clash Dropouts. I love that, Tim. That's a good one. Uh, he says, hey, guys, first time seeing you live. Have only been able to listen to the podcast in the past. Keep up the good work. Thank you. And, uh, and by the way, cool YouTube name. Love those. Uh, let's Welcome. see. Uh, Wanderlust Rider, have you guys done many tube swaps? Thinking about trying to do one soon. Uh, some of mine have heavy burn monitors. We have done tube swaps in the past, and Tim, uh, we, we have a saying around here for tube swaps, right? What's, what saying is if that? If the neck doesn't fit, you must quit. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you can swap, you can swap yokes, cool. but man, that's a pain. It is a pain. So you, you don't want to do that. I mean, you can do it, but you don't want to. Um, so if the neck doesn't fit, you must quit is like the easiest thing. Cause I mean, if, if it fits the vast majority of the time, if the neck board fits on the new tube, you're, you're money. Uh, and so you still need to always check all of your tube settings to make sure that it's compatible. I mean, still we, we highly recommend that, but we found that if, if the neck boards fit, man, you're most of the time it works fine. So no, no other, no other things needed. So, uh, let's see what else we got here. Well. I'm trying to catch up. Sorry, Tim. Wasteland Warrior is the frame an odd size. It looks standard. I think what he's talking about is kind of what we were talking about, Tim, was that um, it's not that the frame's a weird size. It's that you're going from a horizontal mount to a vertical mount, right? When you're talking about the Pac-Man Cabaret to the t to Mega Touch. Right. Yeah, you see, so the Mega Touch a lot of times horizontal frame. And so that horizontal frame may not fit perfectly in the vertical uh, position of the of the Pac-Man uh, Pac -Man spacing. So you may have to swap the frames between the two in order to, to swap swap them out there so okay let's see okay everything looks good yep 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 youtube punk says paypal donation sent boom thank you youtube punk we appreciate it thank you for the donations look at this yeah you're gonna give him uh jazz hands tim let me see some jazz hands there we go <laughs> thank you youtube punk for your donation and remember guys if you want to send a donation you can click the little dollar sign in the live chat we'd highly appreciate any money that you send our way or if you go to arcaderepairtips.com slash donate you can donate to us tim we put that money towards paying for website services and and all sorts of different things and we were putting it to good use during march and april may and june basically um buying buying merchandise from arcades who were having troubles so i mean that's where a lot of our funds went during that time but tim there's still a lot of arcades out there hurting so let us you know let us uh, take a moment here to please encourage you guys go to your local arcade or if you're not going to go buy some merchandise for them pick up some to-go stuff do something to help them out because there's so many arcades that are closing around the country to due to the COVID-19 crisis and we definitely want to help them all out so if there's a way that you can help your local arcade please do it they'll appreciate it I promise and you want your arcade to be open when all this is over I promise you do so be sure to support them and and all that good stuff so Okay, I think I think we're caught up. Wow, Tim, it is busy tonight. You guys are awesome, man. We're we're just we're rocking and rolling here, Tim, with the live chat. I love it. So let us continue on with the outline then. And the next question we have is from Greg, and Greg says, "Looking for help on a lethal enforcer's coin op. The game wasn't acknowledging the guns. You see the white flash on the screen when you pull the trigger, but it won't reload or hit the target. Replaced the guns and swapped out the board. Still the same. Now the game is starting on its own without touching the one or two player buttons. Any info would be greatly appreciated. Thank you for your time. Greg. So Tim, he's got some weird issues here. Greg does. He's got um, a Lethal Enforcers that is starting all by itself. Tim, this seems like it should have been in our October episode when we were talking about all the Halloween stuff. <laughs> but um, obviously he's having some problems with his guns. I mean, that's pretty clear. And so he's only seeing the white flash. So we know that his trigger is working and his guns are probably hooked up correctly, but we're not getting any register on the guns. Tim, you've, you've worked on light games a lot. What do you think's going on here with Greg's Lethal Enforcers cabinet though? 
Well, most of the time it's in the gun, and he already replaced that, and he did the board, which there are some things in the board that can go wrong. Um, outside of that, we got to start looking at his monitor then, because the monitor brightness has to be up. So sometimes just turning up the monitor brightness some uh, has to be up pretty good bit uh, to uh, register that. Uh, he could go and need to go into. Did he say he went into a settings? He did not specifically say he went into a settings, Tim. Either time, he just said that he yeah. swapped the board and the guns. <clears throat> I would try turning up the brightness and going into the settings and seeing if it'll re register there, or maybe just needs calibrating. Sometimes you see in the flash, it's just not needs calibrating. So he needs to go into the setting settings. Um, other than that, um, yeah, he could. It's probably uh, just a brightness turn up, go into the settings and recalibrate his guns if they're new and working correctly. Okay, so Greg is in the live chat with us too, Tim. And he says he also replaced the player one and two buttons. So, and he's still having these kind of weird issues. And so it does sound like there may be some wiring issues here, right, Tim? Yeah, because I, I also, though, I can't remember, doesn't the game, can it start with the gun? You don't have to hit the button? I, I think you have to hit the button in order to start In order to uh, start the game. I think you have to hit the button. I, I don't think it starts by trigger pull. Well, if you replace them both, then the wiring to those boards somehow are getting or touching ground and automatically starting. So really make sure that when you replace the buttons, that you replace the switches also. That's what I'd like to know. Uh, or the wiring to your switches, be careful with those. Or if you've got them ho hooked up in the wrong switch position, like normally closed, it's going to start up right away. Um, and if you're not quite sure what we're talking about there, uh, let us know. We'll answer it here. But you got basically three places you can plug into your switch. One that's kind of out there by himself doing his own thing, that's your common or your round, and then the one closest to it, there'll be two on the side. The one closest to the one that's the common should be your normally open, and that's where it should be plugged in. If you actually have it plugged into normally closed, it's automatically going to start the game up like that. That would be one another one of my suggestions. It could be. Now, he says he can get into the settings and try to adjust the brightness with no luck. So it sounds like he has tried to adjust the brightness on the screen. Uh, Tim, sometimes when you adjust that brightness, you have to turn it past the point of comfortable, if that makes sense, correct? Right. Yeah. And I have seen the point where we just got an older monitor that was, just wouldn't do it anymore. We just had to replace the monitor to get a better, brighter uh, more contrast in the monitor. You could try that. It, yeah, we've actually had to turn it way up to where I wouldn't like it to look at it, but just to get it to work, and that's kind of when we decided we'd go ahead and replace the monitor. Now, Lethal Forces also has a mirror and a tube, and so you need to clean both those. Right, Tim? Yeah. I mean, we had a Lethal Enforcers 2 at one time, and you have to clean the mirror and clean the tube monitor to make sure that you're getting the most brightness out of it. Tim, because of the way the tube sits in the in the um, cabinet, it is more prone to collecting dust than any other monitor. And people who have Lethal Enforcers know what I'm talking about. Tim, basically the, the, front, the front of the monitor is, is basically sitting down in the cabinet, and then it reflects off a mirror that actually shows the picture to the player. And so, because yeah. of the way it sits, it collects more dust than any other monitor you'll ever see. So make sure that you're cleaning the top of that and cleaning the mirror really good to make sure you're getting that. Now, 
Um, Tim, mm-hmm. something else I thought about is with Lethal Enforcers 2, the negative 5 volts was something that was required. And the game would okay. act funny if you did not have negative 5 volts hooked up. Okay, and when I mean funny, yeah. you wouldn't get sound, would be one of the funny things, but you get some other weird things too. So make sure that you have the negative 5 volts hooked up as well. That's very important on Lethal Enforcer specifically, and on a lot of Konami games for that matter. So if you have a Konami game, make sure that you've got the negative 5 volts hooked up. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> yeah, and, and another thing is, Tim, we've seen this when you've got a room with fluorescent lighting, correct? If you've got a room with fluorescent lighting, it'll kill gun games. I haven't figured out why, but we've seen that before, where if you have big old fluorescent lights up above your head, um, it does something to the optical sensors. It like blows them out to the point where they don't work. So I don't know if you have fluorescent lighting in your in your area that you're working on the game, but we've seen it before. Yeah, that's one thing I was going to ask, because he tried it with the brightness up and it's dark everywhere else in his room, uh, game room and stuff. Uh, so here's something else he says. He says he goes into the settings and it won't run the I.O. check either. It's really strange. I've cleaned both. Really nasty. Don't think they've been cleaned since the 90s. Yeah, he, so he's cleaned his monitor and his mirror, but he, he's not getting the I.O. checked, Tim. Check your, have you checked your voltage would be the question. Have yeah. you checked the voltage? Because here's the deal. And we say this in the in the um, post here, Tim, that we're about to show the slide, is that you, you tried a different board and you tried different guns. That means the problem has to be in the cabinet somewhere. That's either the monitor, that's either the power supply, that's somewhere like that. Again, Lethal Enforcers is a game that's very particular about power supply. So you may need to crank it up a little past the, the traditional 5 volts in order to get it to run properly. Tim, we're talking about 5.05, 5.1, in order to really get it going, right? Right. So that may be that may be the problem there, especially if you're having it in both boards and guns. I mean, you have two sets of boards, two sets of guns, Tim. That pretty much takes out the board gun element of it. It does seem like it's got to be either a power supply, wiring, or monitor issue. So focus on those areas is what we would say and see if you find any issues with any of those three areas. Power supply could definitely be the problem. And even if you're at five, five volts even... Try going up to 5.05, 5.1, and see if it makes a difference. Tim, Lethal Enforcer seems to be a game that gets a lot of damage. And what I mean by that is, is players like to hit it for some reason, or it likes to get bumped a lot. And so with that in mind, it may be that the power supply has kind of you know gone down over time. Make sure that both your 5 and your 12 volts are locked in, as well as your negative 5. Like I mentioned, Tim, Konami games like this, very particular about negative 5. Yeah. So I think that's everything. Now, he says he has not checked the voltage. So um, that's that's where I would really highly um, head towards. Right now, we have we have a video that's not very good on checking and replacing a power supply that you can check out. Um, But but Lethal Enforcers may have a ATX style power supply. Sometimes it doesn't have a traditional switching power supply in it. And so in order to check that, you'll need to have a meter and you'll have to unplug the Molex connector and then put your the props of your meter inside of the connector. And Tim, uh, our traditional colors are um, red for 5 volts, yellow 12 volts, um, white negative 5 volts. And so if you put in like your red probe into a pin that has a red wire and you put the black probe into a, a pin that has a black wire, that should give you 5 volts if you're looking at an ATX style power supply. Now, if you have a traditional power supply, switching power supply, it tells you what each voltage is. You just put your red probe on the voltage, put your black probe on the ground, you're good to go, right? Yeah. So definitely voltage is a thing to check. Um, if the voltage was low, it didn't matter which board you put in there because it's still getting, it's not getting enough voltage to operate properly. And that could really be causing our whole issue, right, Tim? Yeah, especially when he says not even restoring that. Exactly. The op- 
Okay, so Greg, I'm going to go ahead and throw up the slide, but I think we've given you a lot of good feedback here. Hopefully you can try some of these things and let us know how it goes. But the slide that we had here says, uh, the fact that you replaced the guns and swapped out the board makes us think you have an issue with your monitor. And Tim, now I have to go even further with that, not just monitor, but maybe power supply or wiring as well. But since, you, yeah. since you've done all the checks on the monitor, we're pretty... We're pretty sure that your monitor is in good shape. So at this point, it's probably more of a power supply or wiring issue. And so I'm going to kind of disregard the top part of this. But the starting on its own could also be attributed to a low voltage or power supply issue as well. Right, Tim? Very, very true. Sounds good. So, And he says, cool, thank you, appreciate it. Thank you for sending in your question, and hopefully you can get that Lethal Enforcers going. If you have any additional questions about it, please let us know. Send us an email, and we'll try to help you out further. So... Yeah, by all means, follow up with it. Exactly. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Oh, a lot of people talking about they have lethal enforcers, Tim. We have a, a lot of uh, people here. Danny says, I had a lethal enforcers. I know they need a darker area to play for sure. Don't work well in bright areas. YouTube Punk says, we had a lethal enforcers in the game room I worked in. They had volume jacked up. <laughs> lethal enforcers, player one. That's right. Love that. Lethal enforcers. And then whenever you press start, player one, player two. <laughs> we've obviously lethal force is a very common game it, it seemed like it was one of the big one of the big light gun games that really took off probably the first one i don't know in area 51 about the same time or just yeah lethal forces came out slightly before which is why i think you see so many of them but area 51 definitely took that concept and flew with it for sure man you see a ton of area 51s too great games great games so uh let, oh um youtube punk says he needs to take it to a priest for an ex exorcism yeah. <laughs> hey you know uh whatever works uh, let's see, <laughs> let's see what else we have here. Um, yeah, um, Danny says I have a lot of lethal enforcers parts because I'm tired of dealing with them. There you go. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. so definitely, t Tim. I think starting at power is going to be probably the key for for Greg here. So hopefully that'll help him out big time. And Tim Wanderlust uh, just sent in a ten dollar uh, donation. Yay! Hey, thank you so I much. We appreciate it, and thanks for being here in the live chat and enjoying the show with us, man. It's awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, you're raising a glass to him. Yeah, raising a glass. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's funny because you know you, you've got your little filter on, and sometimes the glass just disappears. It just looks like you're holding air. So, <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much for that donation. We we highly appreciate it, and thanks for being here. We we love having everybody as a part of the show, Tim. Like I said, great live chat tonight. So we're very excited about that. And uh, Louie holding it down like always. Louie, you the man. So there we go. Okay, Tim. Let us move on through our outline here, and our next question is from Tongue. And I'm not talking about the one in your mouth. No, Tung, T-U-N-G. And he says, okay. Hi, I have a monitor problem with my Street Fighter II arcade. Is there a way I can fix it myself? And Tim, I have the picture here. And it, I know it has a play button on there, but he just sent me a snapshot, Tim. So he okay. So he just sent the, the, um, the snapshot of it. it. He didn't actually send me a video. But Tim, it's pretty obvious to tell what's going on by this snapshot. I think the live chat yeah. may be able to chime in and tell us exactly what they think is going on. But Tim, yeah. um, why don't you... What now? Especially with that particular game. Exactly. This seems to be a common problem with Street Fighter 2 boards. Tim, give us some of your uh, expert advice on this. Well, he probably doesn't have a monitor issue at all. He's got a, a board issue. Yep. And it just could be a reconnection issue or 
I got a power issue, but more likely is a graphic issue. Yeah, it's and very... it does look more like a graphic, like a, a graphic problem. And um, you know, it's it's really you know, and the way you can tell, Tim, is kind of the way that the logo has those sprite kind of things around it. The bar, the Dolgerel bar lines, Tim, that we're getting in it as well are are also kind of they look more sprite based than they do <clears throat> uh, monitor based when we're looking at that. But just the garbly gook that we have, if you will, on the screen makes us think more of a board issue. Now, Tim, with uh, um, with CPS boards in general, a lot of people know that they're a board stack, which means you have like two or three boards stacked on top of each other. And so what you can try here is you can try to push down on them to see if it makes a little bit better connection. Um, but Tim, as you and I know, with Street Fighter 2 boards, man, they just wear out. Yeah. I mean, they, they do over time. I mean, they've got a, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, um, the ROM chips on there can go bad over time just because of, you know, they, they get played out, man. I mean, Street Fighter 2, man, back in the day was getting played a million times a day with a million different quarters and over time they just wear out. Now, Tim, with that said, like I said, he can try pushing down. We have a great video and post on inspecting an arcade board that he can try out some of those things, but he may try pushing down where the three board stack connects and seeing if he can make a little bit better connection between there. Uh, and Tim, there are some CP PS1 repair guides. I'm going to link to one here that he can check out for tongue. But beyond that, it may just need somebody to take a look at it with a scope and and figure out what's wrong, right? Maybe so. Yeah. So I mean, this this uh, it really depends on on what's going on. There's a lot of uh, different chips on there that like to fail. Tim, there's some custom chips on there that like to fail, which is always fun. And so um, you know, I'm going to go ahead and put this slide up for him so he can kind of tell what's going on here. But based on your photo, it does look like your game is experiencing more of a board issue than a monitor problem. The picture definitely shows some sprite corruption among other issues. As far as fixing it yourself goes, you can try some of the tips that we discussed in our post on inspecting an arcade board and see if that helps. There's also a CPS1 repair guide that may help, and Tim, I linked to it here, but it is also down below in the show description so he can check that out. Beyond that, you'll probably need to send the board off for repair, and Tim, that means sending it to somebody, like I said, who has the scope and the chips and everything that the, that they need, and, and burners, of course, to replace whatever they need to replace, so that way, you know, he can get the board working in tip-top shape. But it does seem like more of a board problem at this point moment than a, a standard monitor issue. So, Tim, is there anything else you suggest for Tongue beyond what we've already said? No, except for uh, one day when you have a grandchild, you should call him Tongue. <laughs> there you go. Uh, very interesting name, Tim, but I love it. You know, I mean, that's the cool thing about us. We get questions from all over the place, and it's not always from the United States sometimes. I believe this was actually somebody from the United States. So, uh, And that may not be his real name. We don't know, Tongue. We don't know you, but um, but uh, that's, what I, that's what your email address said, so that's what we go by a lot of times. But uh, hopefully we've given you some great tips on fixing your Street Fighter 2 board. Now, Tim, it may be easier to find just a replacement board than it is to get it fixed, but... Street Fighter 2 boards have gone up in value and so with that in mind a repair is probably not a bad idea and Tim we have a lot of people who are repair boards on our resources page at arcaderepairtips.com slash resources Louie actually linked to it earlier in the live chat too so uh, you can go there find a board repair guy who will fix it for you um, they're going to charge you a little bit but it's probably it may be cheaper at this point than getting a replacement board so Okay, so Tim, I think that does it for Tongue. The next question we have here is from JT. Now, JT's got a pretty long one here, Tim, so we're going to go ahead and get into it. Hello, I watched your video on the of the cocktail table JAMA harness installation, which was very helpful, but I have a couple of questions. I purchased the Holland Computers Retro Arcade Kit that has the 16-in-1 PCB, JAMA harness, three buttons on each side, and joysticks. So here are my questions. 
With this type of setup, I would not leave the game on when playing. Does this eliminate the high score saves when I turn off the power? If so, is there a way to add a battery in order to maintain high score even when the machine is off? If so, what parts would I need and where or how would I need to connect it? Now, Tim, he continues on here, so I'm going to continue on. Number two, I want to know how to add the side buttons for the pinball action game that is on the 16-in-1 board. I am not sure how the buttons are assigned as I have not turned it on yet because I am still getting ready to construct the cabinet and decide where to put the holes for buttons. I was going to add two extra buttons for this one game but then didn't know how how they would connect. I can only think that they would tie into the existing one... Uh, I guess button one fire, button two jump buttons for left and right, but I'm not sure as I didn't see any info for this. Can and how would this be done? Thank you in advance for uh, for your, or thank you in advance. Your help is appreciated very much, JT. So there you go, Tim. We had two slides worth of question there, but they really, it really just comes down to two basic things. Number one, can I save the high scores when I turn the machine off? And if I can't, is there a way to do a battery save on them? And number two is, um, I want to play pinball action, but I want to install like pinball style buttons. Where do I need to connect those buttons in order to achieve this? Those are the two questions we're really getting down to, uh, to it, Tim. So what about the first one first, Tim? So how do I save the high scores on my 16 and one board? Well, as you might notice, I went inside a game here. Oh, I see. You're the... actually inside one. Yeah, I'm, I'm going inside, going in deep, coming down the factory line. I went inside. Unfortunately, uh, we have, uh, Coming up in our preview, I have a lot of experience in a cocktail 61 game. So um, there is a, a lot of the new, most, if he just bought it from Holland Computers, they now have an option for high score save. So he should be able to turn that on, uh, go through his settings. I think it's a, maybe it's a dip switch. It is a dip it switch. It is a dip switch. Um, it's a dip switch. And so I want to say it's number two. And uh, it allows you to turn on the high score save. It's number three. I've got so, I've got it here in the slide, three. so I'm looking at it. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm cheating. Sorry. That's all right. Well, number three, you, you turn that on, and then that will allow you to save the high score, so you don't have to worry about it anymore. <clears throat> the second part is I just played video pinball the other day. I didn't really like it because you use the joysticks left and right. So when you go left, the left flipper, the right, all you really want to do is he could put his own uh, buttons on the side of his game where he would or wherever he wants them. They could be on the control panel, I guess, but I would put them on the side like a pinball game and just wire his left and his right joystick buttons, jumper off of them, run a separate wire over to them so that when he hits the left button, it would do the left flipper and the right would do the right flipper. That would be fun. It would also be really fun to play pack. Man, like that and go left and right with your flipper button. <laughs> well, Why, uh, I was going to say, so I think he wants to put them on the control panel. Tim, I think we are talking about a cocktail cabinet. And so putting them on each player's uh, control panel mm -hmm. on the sides would allow each player to be able to play it pinball style on their own side, which I think would be cool. That, that's what I would do because you just don't have a lot of room on the front, but you do have some room on the sides depending on what... Cocktail yeah, and it sounds like he wants to buy the the Holland Computers style kit, Tim. And so if that's if you're using the Holland Computers yeah. kit, like I said, just put two buttons on the side of those panels. You can drill them. I uh, just use the what do we use? One and three eighths. Is that the size we like? No, one. And one and one eighth. eighth. Excuse me. You see, sorry, I've been I've been I've been doing other measurements lately. Oh, one and an eighth inch makes a world of difference. So, 
just did a cocktail cabinet, which we're going to show. Yeah, so one and one eighth, uh, you know, hole saw. You just drill them in on the sides. You know, get them about. You know, you could go an inch over and an inch up or something like that on the sides of the control panel. Put those buttons in. It'll make the game a lot more fun for sure, right, Tim? Yeah. So there you go. So let me show the slide here real quick. And so on your first question, the 61 board actually has a dip switch setting to save the high scores. We found that it can be inconsistent and usually only saves the top score for each game, but that's typically the one people want to keep anyway. Yes, you could rig a 5 volts DC battery up to the board, but that seems like overkill, right, Tim? A very overkill. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you could do it. I mean, because the 61, right. I think, only needs 5 volts. I don't think it needs 12 volts. So, I mean, technically, you could, you could, you could have a UPS-style system for for like i said a five volts battery type ups system that would do it but man that's a lot that's a lot of work and tim we've wow. had 61 boards go bad you know just because they were left on because they're not they're not the most quality things believe it or not but um you know yeah i think uh, in this particular case just flip the dip switch you'll be in good shape and that is dip switch three put it on the on position and that should get your high score saver working now as for the pinball action question like tim mentioned you control the you can jumper wires over from the left and right directions to the side buttons that you're going to install. Uh, and if you do that, you should be in good shape. Just run the jumper wires over there along with a ground wire and you'll be fine. Right, Tim? Correct. Anything else for JT before we move on? No, I don't think so. I, I like the question, though. It was a great question. Absolutely. So, And Tim, I love how you're inside a game. Yeah. I, 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 uh, I know exactly. What, I was about to say, I know exactly. What, that's a Miss Pac-Man for sure. You can see the daughter board. I told you, I came down into the factory and actually I'm checking it. Oh, okay. quality check. You're going to get your probes out and check voltage right there? Let me see you. It's easy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so anyway, very cool. But um, hopefully that answers JT's questions. Oh, look at this. Look at this. He's got the meter yeah. and everything. So. <laughs> oh, you know, Tim, we were, talking about, we were talking about lighting and I totally forgot to show off like, you know, so obviously Amazon had Prime Day between the time that we had our last live show and this live show, right? And All so right. I showed Tim before before um, before the live show started, but I'll show everybody since we're here. Um, I got I put all the multicolored LED bulbs in my little lighting system here. So if I do this, there we go, party time. So and then I can hit I can hit this, and we're right back. So I tell you, I mean the the bulbs have gotten really cheap, and these are um, these are hundred watt equivalents. In fact, if you walked into my game room, Tim, you couldn't even tell that they were any different than what they were before. So, because they look, I mean, I matched the color to the way that the, the older bulbs were. And so, like, everything looks exactly the same until, you know, I start messing with all the color things. And so, I mean, for the pricing that these things were, they're uh, they're a really good deal. And, you know, they should, hopefully, they'll last forever. So, uh, but it was fun. We were playing music videos and stuff out in the game room and playing. And I turned on the light show. And, you know, everybody, you know, the kids were just crazy about it. So, fun stuff. But uh, Prime Day was fun. Yeah, we'll talk about Prime Day in the uh, after show. Let us know what you picked up, if you picked up anything. There are a lot of good sales, Tim. I don't know if you bought anything, so. I bought a couple things, but mostly for games that I need. Of course. Game right. So we'll talk about that in the after show. You guys stay tuned for that. But Tim, we're down to our last set of questions here. And of course, we always do our selection of questions from YouTube for our last one. And so I'm going to go ahead and show the slide and we'll hit them in a rapid, rapid fire fashion. So here they are, Tim. We have Sergeant Beefcake. Now, Tim, I thought that was your name personally, but I, apparently there's another Sergeant Beefcake online. I'm sorry, Tim, you took your name. But uh, he has, he asked, where can I purchase a degaussing coil? I just bought a Frogger machine, 
that could really use this product. Thank you. So first question is degaussing coil. Where can I get one? Uh, the second one is Mr. Awesome. Tim, another name that I think that should be associated with you, but somebody else already took it. Sorry. And he says, my JAMA harness is really tight, meaning that it's very hard to press on the board and hard to remove. Is there a safe way you know of to loosen the harness? And Tim, of course, that is the title of our, um, of our episode for this month is, um, you know, my JAMA harness is too tight. Of course, JAMA in the, in the parentheses there. But uh, yeah, so that's Mr. Awesome's question we're alluding to in our title. And hopefully you'll have some good input on that. And then Green Bean Eater, Tim, probably another synonym for you. And he says, hey, I'm grabbing a 60-in-1 soon and I want to use a VGA monitor and ATX power supply. What should I do with the unused JAMA wires, preferably without snipping the wires outright? So question one, I need a degaussing coil. Where can I get one? Question two, JAMA harness is too tight. What can I do? Question Question three, 60 and one, what do I do with the additional wires? So Tim, let's take them one by one. First one first, where can I get a degaussing coil, Tim? I would go to Twisted Quarter and get one. They're about, about the best price and good people. Exactly. We order a lot from Twisted Quarter, Tim. Um, we, we used to recommend MCM Electronics, but I don't know if they have them anymore. Man, they're... Yeah, I don't know what's going on out there. Yeah, so, um, but Twisted Quarter definitely has them, guys, so you guys can get them there, twistedquarter.com. And, Tim, we actually have a link to that here in this post, so we'll show that off. And it's also down below in the show description, so Sergeant Beefcake, if you want to check that out, click the link. And, Tim, a lot of arcade parts suppliers carry this, so if you're ordering parts from, yeah. a, from, from a supplier already, you may just call them or check with them to see if they have any degassing coils. They may have one. Just throw it in with your part order, so... Uh, okay, second one. Jamma harness is too tight, Tim. What can I do in order to loosen it? Well, one thing that it's, that's a good problem to have. You want them to be tight so that they make a better connection. But if you're just kind of hell bent on loosening them, you can take a small screwdriver, like a jeweler screwdriver or small half screwdriver or something, and kind of bend them in a little bit. But again, back to it. We'd rather them be really tight because that helps make a good quality connection and you don't really undo them very often. Yeah, now you mentioned, you know, I actually texted this question to Tim in the text. He said, yes, you could put a screwdriver in there and kind of bend them back, but there's a chance that you could do damage, correct? Yeah, you could break it or you could uh, bend it to where it's not making good contact, which is the opposite You'd rather be making that good contact, in my opinion. And Mr. Awesome, when he, when he sent the question, he also asked, could I twist the screwdriver? Definitely don't recommend twisting it, right? No. You'd want to rock it, right? Yeah, I'd want to rock it kind of just a, just a little bit. Right, I exactly. Mean, we're talking about a very small screwdriver, too. You know, when I say jewelers, this is one in my hand. I guess everybody can see it. Something really tiny, just a little bit. Right, and Tim, we really don't recommend that though. Having it tight is having a tight jam harness is a good thing, like you mentioned. And so, you know, and Tim, it'll get looser as you unplug it and plug it back in. Unplug it and plug it back in. Eventually, yeah. it'll get looser as well. I agree. So, and then the last one, Green Bean Eater, Tim. Uh, what should I do with the extra wires that I'm not going to wire up for with my 16-in-1 board? Yeah. I've run across this problem several times in the last uh, couple of weeks. Um, I, I don't have a problem cutting them. I usually cut them about four or five inches long so that if I ever I make a mistake and cut the wrong wire, which I've done before, uh, and I can get back onto that wire, I don't like cutting them at the nub or pulling that pin out, which is what we are just talking about with a screwdriver. But if you don't want to cut them because it does kind of give a look of, you know, kind of a tear all sticking out, you got these wires sticking out, 
Um, then you can just kind of bundle those extra wires up. We lasso them up and around, just zip tie them or tape them together. As long as the ends aren't exposed where they could touch something and short something out, you'll be okay. Exactly. So, Tim, with all that in mind, let's show the scene real quick. Sergeant Beefcake, you can purchase a deossing coil from Twisted Quarter. And, Tim, there is the link, but like I mentioned before, it is in the show notes below. So, if you want to if you want to click that, you can go there and you can get you a nice degaussing coil. And, Tim, there's a picture of it there. Gotta love that. Yeah. Mr. Awesome, a tight JAMA harness is a good thing as it makes it for a better connection. It should get better over time. Yes, you can bend the pins back with the screwdriver, but we don't recommend it. We wouldn't recommend it is what I say here, but we don't recommend it. So, I mean, if you just, if you absolutely want to get it a little bit looser, then you can do that, but don't recommend it. Probably wouldn't do it. And definitely don't twist it like we mentioned before. Green bean eater bundle the extra wires up with a zip tie. Tim cuts them, leaves enough to where he can he can uh, connect back to them if he needs to. But in our in my case, I like to zip tie them up with, and put them with a twist tie, just in case you need them. Tim, you may put a different jamma board in there at some point, right? Maybe. So I yeah. mean, if you're not, you know, you may go to the 412 in one, and you may need some of those some of those wires. Correct. Agreed, and that makes it real easy to just cut a zip tie and be back in business. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so hopefully, you know, just bundle them up. You're good to go, and, and no harm, no foul. You should have plenty of room in your cabinet to do that. So hopefully it answers all of those questions from YouTube. Thank you guys for those questions, and good luck with all of your arcade projects. And Tim Shop Class Dropouts just says that he's heading out for the night. He has projects to work on. So <laughs> uh, thanks for catching the live show this time. We appreciate it. And, hey, just leave us on the background, you know, right? Right. And that's what we used to do. We used to leave stuff on in the background when we were working on machines, including outfield music, which we'll also talk about in the after show. Right, Tim? Correct. So uh, something else for the after show. Outfield music was like our official background music to working on games with at one point. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that here in the after show. Of course, there's big news with the lead singer of the outfield, Tim, that we'll talk about soon. So stay tuned to the after show if you want to hear all that. But anyway, Tim, we are to your tech tip moment now. Um... Last month, we featured one of your multi-cade builds that you did, um, which we called the Cooler Cade. But, Tim, this is kind of a take on that, correct? Yeah. So, if you might remember last month, we had a guy that wanted us to convert a working game and put a refrigerator in it where the coin box was and stuff. And uh, it was his, we didn't mind because it was his game. But really, um, you know, we don't like to tear up any kind of plastic game or anything. So what we decided to do was build a cocktail version of it from scratch. We literally went to Home Depot, bought some wood, and uh, you want to show those? Yeah, I'm putting on. it up now. This is what this is what we come up with, guys. Um, we did a few things a little different. Uh, as you can see, of course, the refrigerator is there. Um, I will, I'll just go through the things that are different about ours out from anybody out there. One thing you might see in that second frame is we installed a cup holder. You push it on the side and it pops out and you can put your cup holder or your drink or beverage of your choice there. Uh, you guys might notice that uh, I had those uh, control panels made local from a steel fabricator and those are stainless steel so we didn't buy those ready-made we had them custom-made and that's why I said make sure it's a one and one-eighth because they cut those holes one inch and that extra eighth inch came from me grinding on them and that took a long time <laughs> that I want to admit um, 
The next thing that I will talk about is that um, it had, there's two more things I want to mention. The paint job itself is we have pro liner uh, shot a, like you get in a truck bed liner. Uh, so it has a tuck coating over it. Um, it's on wheels and it can uh, move around. You can bump into stuff and you don't have to worry about uh, hurting it or, you know, denting or cracking the paint or hurting the paint job. Um, so I like that about it. Another trick, guys, um, that we could go into in detail sometimes, I probably should post some pictures on how to do it. Uh, you might notice if you can see that bottom picture, it has one cord going into the game um, that powers, uh, goes into a power plug, and out of that, the refrigerator has to stay on all the time. So this was key even for me that you only want the game, you don't want the game to stay on 24 7, but you do want the refrigerator to stay on 24 7. So the game is hooked up to the switch. The refrigerator stays on all the time, but when you hit the switch, the game comes on and plays. Also, we ran the monitor straight to the power supply and didn't use um, the monitor um, converter that comes with it, uh, which so that is possible to do in case anybody's curious about that. Um, the last thing that I would like to mention, and you can't really see this in the pictures because you're not supposed to be able to see it because it was for home use only uh, we did put some hinges on there and we used a specialty latch um, that I think was pretty cool I know John didn't you get to look at it it's yeah I, I got to see it you move over and it slides and it allows you to pop the top open it's a hidden latch and um, the secret there is, do you remember, John, what, where we got that latch from? I don't know where you got it from. I saw the latch, though. We got that from a casket company that makes caskets. Because have you ever been to a funeral and seen a latch on one of them things? Now, you can't because they're hidden. So it gave me the idea. I just did some Internet research on hidden latches, and you really can't see them at all. And, but I know where they are, and I can unlatch them, and it will allow the top to open, and we can work on it. I don't really, I guess we don't have a picture. I should have taken, maybe I'll take some more pictures if you guys are interested of the build uh, and stuff. But if y'all have any questions, the tricky part was, number one, keeping the, the refrigerator on all the time, but the game on and off with a button. Uh, one power cord to the whole thing that runs a refrigerator an arcade game and a power supply and a monitor. Uh, that was a little tricky. And then the cup holder, I think, was just kind of an added touch. But um, it is for sale, so it, uh, we call it the Cooler K. That's some uh, preliminary artwork that we came up with, but we'll probably end up doing something different. Anyway, love to hear everybody's feedback on it. Uh, we worked pretty hard on it. Total building time if we just sat down from start to finish about 12 hours. Okay, that's not terrible. Start to finish. Yeah. So um, we did get a question from Geeklight. He said, um, how expensive was the metal control panel? Okay, that cost us because it was a prototype. Now, the next time if I went and said, I need more, uh, the local shop did both of those for us. I want to say it was about $80, so about 40 bucks each which I thought, honestly, was pretty reasonable. Um, had they, we, we were off, I, I will say a couple of mistakes that we made. 
we gave them a drawing of a flat piece, but when you curve, you lose about, they're really about a quarter of an inch short now that they're curved. They did the bend for us, though. You wouldn't notice it playing the game, but of course I noticed it, and that's something I would allow that extra half inch for the bend. Um, but I thought it was pretty reasonable. Now, had we, um, I could have, if they would have had a punch, if I would have had, in other words, um, they didn't, they have to cut for the one and one eighth. If it's a punch for like one inch, they could do it a little cheaper, but trust me, you want them to do the one and one eighth and having that locally done, I thought was pretty reasonable and pretty good. Sounds good. If I ordered 10 of them, I could get the price down probably about 30 bucks. Yeah, and, and so I got to see it in person. It looks great. Yeah, and you Linexed it basically, right? So this yeah. is the same stuff you put in your trek bed to keep scratches and stuff from, from showing up. That stuff is so cool looking on a game. It's something I wouldn't have thought about, so... Yeah, it, it kind of, with the stainless steel, it really gives it uh, a cool look. And, and then in the first picture, you can tell I put a LED light strip instead of the traditional oh, coin lights. Sorry, coin I, I, I'm showing the next scene already. Here we go. I'll go back to, here we go. We got it. So you can see the LED strip, especially in that first picture there. Yeah, and another trick that I would I would highly recommend, you learn a lot of stuff. Finding a super glue that would actually hold the strip to it without having to screw it in or staple it in or some kind of odd way of getting that uh, was very tough. Nothing sticks to that Linex. That is good stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's made to protect, uh, like like we said, it's made to protect, uh, you know, like truck bed liners and other things, or truck, truck beds and other things. So it cleans off really easily because we've been building other games getting sawdust and stuff on them, and you can just wash it. I mean, how many times you just take, you could take a water hose to that game. It wouldn't hurt it none. And it also, um, guys, if you're putting a wood panel together, you know you're going to have, we use uh, staple or nails, brad nails, with our fun tool to use. But um, let's say you had screw holes or whatever, the Linex also covers all that. So you don't see any lines or where we, the wood came together or any holes or anything like that. So that's another thing I would highly recommend that. Uh, and it gave it kind of a really cool guy toolbox kind of look. I was going to say, and I have the, I have the, another piece that's going to be an upgrade maybe in the next version, right? Yeah. So that's, you don't, let's not talk about that, but I have another yeah, piece that may add some other functionality, correct? A, um, we're doing one now that's going to have a bigger refrigerator in it and uh, possibly a bigger screen. Uh, we looked at a screen the other day, Jonathan, that has those same lights that you have with a controller around the monitor. Oh, nice. So I could change it to blue, uh, blue, green, whatever color, you know, a million colors, or have it flash, but it may kind of distract you from the monitor playing, I'm not sure. Maybe if it's just one solid color, that wouldn't be a lot. Um, another thing we looked at is that light inside the refrigerator is bright white, that is changeable to maybe doing that to a, a blue or something just to give it a cool ambiance. Uh, but it does really look cool at night and uh, worked out pretty good. Sounds good. Well, thanks for showing us your new build, Tim. And it, and you're selling these things, so if people are interested, right, they can contact you. Yeah, they sure can. Or, or if you know somebody that might be interested. Or, or if you have any questions, I, I, I really have an idea of doing more because i hate i love the 60 and ones but i hate destroying classic games 
some other ideas, and somebody want to steal them, run with it, that's okay. Uh, maybe turning a coffee table into a game that you could literally use as a piece of furniture, remove the top, and there's a game underneath, roll out some control panels. So some more functionality and setups. So this one's like has a refrigerator in it. Maybe uh, some other type games like that. Um, just just different stuff. Uh, I kind of like it. Sounds good. Well, uh, Tim, thanks for filling us in, showing us some of the things you've been working on. It's always fun to see that. And if you guys have any other questions for Tim about the Cooler Cade or anything else he's working on, you can always send them to questions at arcaderepairtips.com, and they'll go to both of us, and, of course, he'll reply in time. So uh, thank you, Tim, for that. And now it's time to move on to our discussion portion. And, Tim, this first article uh, was something that got a lot of uh, traction on our Facebook and social media pages. And so let me just show that real quick. Seattle Arcade Thinks on Its Feet introduces touchless pinball. And Tim, this is from uh, King5, which is a Seattle, uh, I believe, news uh, organization. But they say, Attaball Amusements in Fremont has adapted to to coronavirus pandemic precautions with a new innovation, pinball with pedals. The side buttons on the pinball machine are gone, and a simple bar stool gives players a chance to sit and play pinball with their feet. The start button, the launch, and the left and right pedals are all controlled by foot. The touch-free version of pinball was what Attaball needed to welcome the neighborhood back inside at 50% capacity, of course. So, Tim, uh, this is interesting. I mean, it really is something I think, you know, maybe needed just because of the coronavirus. But, Tim, it's been a while, but I felt like maybe this would be a great arcade debate segment for this evening. So, Tim, the question is, does modifying a pinball machine to use foot controls diminish the gameplay experience? So, Tim, this is also, of course, for our live chat audience. If they want to get in and give their uh, their positions on this debate topic tonight, Tim, uh, they can let us know what they think. But you and me are going to debate this. Does modifying a pinball machine to use foot controls diminish the gameplay experience? So, Tim... I'm going to start with you. Tim, what do you think? Does modifying a pinball machine to use foot controls diminish the gameplay experience? Well, of course it does. You're not playing with your hands, which is part of playing a pinball game if you have hands to play one with. Uh, And the ability to play like that, why would you want to use your feet? Of course it diminishes it. It's not the same. And they need to spray their games and clean them and not worry about the virus so bad. They want to, they could play with gloves. I'd rather play with gloves on than I would to play with my feet. But then that's my opinion. What's your job? Well, here's the thing, Tim. Okay, yes, it may not be the same as playing with your hands. But here's the thing. You don't have to touch it. And right now, touching things is a really bad thing to do because we have this thing called the coronavirus out there. And so while you may, it may not feel the same as traditional pinball, it may not, you may not be able to, you know, move and shake the game as much as you would with the traditional, like, left and right buttons holding your hands on them like you normally would. You still get to play pinball safely while in a indoor environment. I think that this is a, a cool a cool little thing that they set up in order to allow people to play without touching the machine. And Tim, in bigger cities like Seattle, where the coronavirus is more of a problem, I think things like this are needed. And while it may give it may not give the same gameplay experience, I don't know if it so much diminishes it. What would you say to that? Well, I say that if you're a male and uh, you don't want to father a kid. You don't start by touching anything, <laughs> but if you, if it, some things are worth the risk, you know what I'm saying? It's just not the same. You take the chance, 
uh, and you just play the game the way it's supposed to be played, or you don't play at all, or you play at your own house, you don't worry about it. But I do think it's kind of cool. I think uh, I think there's what what got me, John, is that maybe there are some people with some disabilities that could actually they could keep this down the road, maybe use it for that. But to me, it just wouldn't be the same. How do you tilt with your feet? I don't know. You you know, a good pinball player, uh, not me, of course, but <laughs> people that really know how to play, uh, actually shake the game and try to get as close to tilting as they can without. I don't know that you could get that same experience with your feet, but then again, haven't played it, so maybe it just takes a lot more practice with your feet to get the tilt. You know, down. you could probably rig up like a nudge and a and a and a push button. If I had a nudge and a push on my feet to where like nudge would be like just move it left to right really quick and and kind of a push, you know, as you and me like to do, we kind of push the machine back a little bit sometimes to get the ball to bounce our way. If I had two buttons that corresponded to that with my foot pedals, I may be able to get a very similar experience. Um, you know, it's it would still be hard, I think. Obviously, Tim. I don't know if it diminishes it, but it's definitely a different way to play, and that's my point. Is that you know if you know you don't know until you try it. So I you know uh-huh. don't I, I would say don't knock it until you try it. Maybe it's better than we're all thinking. I saw the video, Tim, and I will tell you the video is quite impressive. If you haven't seen the video on that news story, it's yeah. pretty neat. And I was I and even I was shocked at how well the guy seemed to be playing. And here's the thing: I can do it with my hands in my pockets, and I can play pinball. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that you should just wear a mask and play it the regular <laughs> Okay, well, Tim, we'll leave it at that. You guys can decide what you like to do. But here's the thing, Tim. Maybe there's a pinball machine that's made for foot control at some point. Like you're, like you're saying, okay. this could be an accessibility thing more than anything. But the fact that they went to all the trouble to mod their pinball machines so that people can play them without touching them says a lot about this arcade. I will say that. And yeah. the fact that they're trying their best to survive in this very difficult time. Kudos to them, and we definitely would uh, try to play it and support them if we could. Absolutely. So we'll leave the debate there, Tim. Not a whole lot of debate on this one, but we'll see what the chat room thinks and let them chime in. But it's always fun to debate, you know, on something like this. So what do you guys think? Does modifying a pinball machine to use foot controls diminish the gameplay experience? Tim, we have a couple of things here. Uh, Geeklight says nudge anyone, kind of like you were talking about, Tim. Obviously, with foot controls, it may be hard to nudge the game. Uh, My Michael says shaking the table is an integral part of game. And that is true with pinball, definitely. But, you know, who's to say you couldn't put, like, one foot on a flipper and, you know, just kind of move the, you know, kick the machine with your other hand or whatever the case may be or put it up against the machine and kind of give it a nudge that way. Uh, Michael said, now that's an awesome point for people with disabilities. That's pretty awesome. And I think so, Tim. I I think that, like, you kind of hit on something is that this may allow people to play pinball who have not had a chance to play pinball before, correct? Correct. Which is, that's probably the coolest part. Now, Tim, the one that I saw, you had to stand, or you had to sit. But I'm like, you could probably make it to where you could stand on it. Like, have a standing switch that's a momentary style. Or maybe not. I think flippers are hard to control like that. But there may be some modifications you can make to this to make it even more friendly than what it is now. But like I said, you should watch the video if you haven't already on the King 5 site and see this guy playing it. It looks a lot cooler than what I thought it would look like when I just heard foot controls for pinball machines. So, uh, go ahead. Did you see the video where the guys playing pinball in slow motion? I, You know, we posted it on our Facebook page, but I did not check out that video, and a lot of people have said really good things about it. That is what's really interesting. And, and so I wonder, too, you know, like a real pinball player, they know how to hit the switch and make it only hit the first lead right. or the second. 
So I would also wonder with your feet, how you could do that to where it's you catch a ball and all that stuff. You know, I wonder if it's as sensitive. Right. It's a good question. I don't know. We'd have to see the inside of their stuff to really know that. Uh, Geeklight says DDR pinball, basically, right? DDR pinball? <laughs> that's, yeah, that's what it is. Um, but guys, you know, just, you know, if you have any other uh, comments about that, I found it very interesting. So, um, you know, here's the thing. We have to change. We have to kind of adapt with what, you know, with what the times are giving us. And right now with coronavirus, there's a lot of arcades struggling <clears throat> because people don't want to go there and touch a million things and have to wash their hands a million times. And so maybe the foot controls is something that's going to come to play more often. Who knows? But, um, you know, kudos to Adaball for doing it. And hopefully uh, they get a lot of business and a lot of uh, a lot of free advertising off of it. Obviously, Tim, they're getting free advertising from us. So, yeah. Okay, well, we'll leave that there, and we'll continue on to our next slide. And, Tim, uh, you may have heard that Jersey Jack put out a Guns N' Roses reveal, which we actually alluded to, I think, uh, last or in, in some of our Facebook posts. Pretty much everybody knew that this was going to be Guns N' Roses. The only question was when they were going to release it, right, Tim? Wow. Now, this is designed by Eric, who also did, um, I think, Parts of the Caribbean, if I remember correctly. So, I mean, he's got a lot of experience doing designing pinball machines. And, of course, Slash apparently had a lot of input on this as well, Tim, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and, and people cool. were saying he had a lot of input on the Data East game as well that you're so fond of, Tim. I know that's one of your favorite pinball machines. Oh, all time. You know, and that is one you never hardly see at festivals. Have you ever no. noticed that? Yeah, and it, it brings a good price when they when you see one for sale. Absolutely. Too. I mean, so it's one of those that's the Data, Data East version of Guns N' Roses. Tim is very. I mean, it's rare just because you just don't see them around. I, I mean, I've seen maybe two of them in like the entire time I've been in this hobby with you, and so it's not something that you come by very often. So I think this is a welcome addition to the pinball community, Tim, having another Guns N' Roses game. Because, Tim, Guns N' Roses is a very beloved band, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of collectors out there that I think are going to be very happy with this game. And uh, just a couple of details. The standard edition features cartoon-style cabinet artwork, while the premium shows an arrangement of tour posters. The playfield features four flippers on the upper two models and three on the standard. The three models include LED strips along the sides of the playfield. And Tim, I mean, it looks really nice. I really want to play it and give it a whirl. Hopefully we'll get to do that at some point. Of course, with coronavirus right now, it's kind of tough. But, um, you know, we could make a trip to our lo our distributor fund and uh, Craig and, and probably give it a whirl if we really wanted to. But I don't know when I'm going to be up in that area next time. So, But it really looks fun, guys. And if any of you guys are buying one, let us know what you think of it. I'd love to hear some opinions on that. Tim, you know, it's, you know one of the sorry things about coronavirus, I mean, along with a million other things, but one of the really sorry things is that we hear about all these pinball announcements, but we can't put our hands on any of them because, you know, we don't want to go anywhere. So, right. so unfortunately, we haven't put our haven't put hands on this or even Avengers Infinity Quest or the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the new one. I haven't even touched one of those. And so, you know, we're so used to going to at least like two to three shows a year and we haven't been to any because of everything that's going on. So, you know, just, I mean, it, you know, it, it's uh, changed the way everything works, Tim, but hopefully at some point we're going to get to do some pinball and play some games. So, but what, now Tim, did you actually look at the play field or anything? Do you have any thoughts on it? I was curious. Yeah, I think it's, it looks like it'll be pretty fast, which fits the title and stuff. And uh, I, I very much would like to have one. That's probably bumped up my list. In fact, I'd trade a cooler arcade game. Well, I'm sure you would. I, I think you're going to have to trade 10 of them for one <laughs> if you really want to get it, though. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. And uh, like I said, if any of you guys end up getting one, let us know what you think. And, Tim, I'm going to go ahead and go on here. Now, Tim, Billy Mitchell has been in the news. No surprise probably to you. 
Okay. Um, the first thing that we posted on the Facebook page was that he actually had a um, a contest with people on um, I think it was the Armchair Arcade service or Antstream Arcade, excuse me. So um, Billy Mitchell had a Pac-Man com- competition on the Antstream Arcade service, and it allowed basically anyone to challenge Billy um, at the at the uh, at Pac-Man from their home. And, you know, Billy gave him some advice. He says, you have to have no complacency. With complacency, I don't know how you get there. Every time I die, I want to know why. And every answer helps me improve for the next time. If you don't consistently reflect upon yourself, I don't know how you'd get anywhere. So that's the advice he has given to people who wanted to play him. But I thought that was a, a, a cool promotion by Anstream Arcade to allow that people to play Billy Mitchell at Pac-Man on their service. So, I mean, that was cool. But the big news with him involved the lawsuit. So, apparently, Tim, Billy Mitchell had enough enough evidence to move, the tr- to move his case forward to an actual trial. And so here's the post from Ars Technica. It says, A Los Angeles County judge has ruled that Billy Mitchell has met the minimum merit standard nece- uh, necessary to move forward to trial with his defamation case against Twin Galaxies. Mitchell wrote in a statement on Twitter that I officially defeated Twin Galaxies in court in its misguided attempt to prevent me from having my day in court on my defamation claims. But speaking to Ars Technica, Twin Galaxies lawyer David Tashrodian says that Mitchell is making this seem like some great win on his part and that he will prevail at trial. This is not the case. And so here's the thing, Tim, is that like Billy Mitchell was making this out like it was some big win that it, like the case was moving forward to trial, but this was no big win, right? This was just it's basically okay. You have enough evidence to go to trial. There was no big win out of it. The question is, will he prevail at trial? And Tim, there's a lot of evidence against him, correct? Yeah, I don't know how. Yeah, so it's not looking good for Billy Mitchell as far as winning his case against Twin Galaxies, but. You know, he's at least going to get his day in court, I guess you can say. So we'll see what happens. We'll keep you posted on what, what's going on with Billy. But at this point, it's not. I don't think it's looking very good for him as far as actually winning the trial. Um, could be wrong, and but I think the Twin Galaxies lawyer there says it better than I could in the fact that he acts like it's some big win just to get a trial. But, you know, the thing is, is he will not prevail at that trial more than likely based on the evidence that we've seen. So... Good luck to Billy Mitchell and Twin Galaxies and all parties involved, and we'll just see how that all pans out. We'll be keeping you guys posted on any updates that happen. But, uh, Tim, like I said, I, I I would be surprised if he ends up winning this case, but you never know. Weirder things have happened, correct? Yeah. Well, Tim, we are at the end of the show, and we want to remind everybody that we always are looking for arcade-related videos. If you want some free advertising for your YouTube channel, we're always looking for people to submit short videos about arcade-related topics. And if you want to send your video to uh, questions arcaderepairtips.com, our staff will review it. And if we like it, we'll use it during one of our live show episodes. Make sure you put a plug in for your channel so people will know where to find you. We look forward to seeing your submissions. And Tim, we basically did this at first to um, to help people who may be on the the edge of monetizing their channels, but they were arcade-related channels. And so uh, this was to help them get more viewers and things like that. And so we're continuing to do that. If you have any arcade-related videos on your website and would like and would like some promotion for them, then uh, just uh, send them over to us or send your YouTube link over to us and we'll feature it on the show if we if we uh, feel like it fits and hopefully get you some more some more people for your audience. So, And then, Tim, of course, we have uh, our contact information here. We have our general email address at questions at arcaderepairtips.com, questions at arcaderepairtips.com. If you want it on the live show, make sure you put live show in the subject and we'll make sure we mention it on the show. Again, that is questions at arcaderepairtips.com and live show in the subject to get it mentioned on the show. 
Uh, we also have our YouTube page, Tim. Of course, if you're watching this live, you know where that is. But for those of you who may be listening to the audio or watching this after the fact, you can watch us on our YouTube page at youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. Comments from the last live show will be covered on the next episode. So if you have any comments... Uh, any comments that are in that video will be covered on the next episode of the live show. So again, youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. If you want to watch all of our live shows there, our entire archives still live there. And then, of course, you can leave comments on our videos as well, and we'll try to cover those. And then we have our podcast email, Tim, podcast at arcaderepairtips.com. It goes to Eric and Rusty. And Tim, I haven't talked to Eric and Rusty in a while. I know I don't know how the Game Preserve is doing, but Tim, we know that business across all arcade games is all arcade um places is rough right now and so they're probably having a tough time of it and their arcade of course is the game preserve so if you guys uh, are in the houston texas area and want to check out an arcade please check out the game preserve it's a great arcade but they're probably got their hands full with some stuff so i haven't heard from them as far as shows and things go but you can you can listen to the podcast episodes that they've done already on iTunes at itunes.arcaderepairtips.com or on Stitcher at stitcher.arcaderepairtips.com. Tim, we're also on like we're also on uh, Spotify and pretty much every yeah. podcatcher that we have and so you know, no, what, no matter where you listen to your podcast, more than likely, the question and answer podcast audio version is there. And, of course, Tim, the live show audio also gets posted on those episodes. Uh, not the after show. The after show you have to watch on YouTube. But the audio from the main live show gets posted on those as well. So um, if you guys want to check that out, again, iTunes.ArcadeRepairTips.com, Stitcher.ArcadeRepairTips.com. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a review. Tim, I don't think we've, we've had a review since February. So um, if you're bored oh. and just want to review us and give us five stars, then please us please do that if you want to give us less than five stars email us and let us know what we need to improve don't leave a review so <laughs> there you go but anyway guys uh, check out those pages if you want to subscribe to the podcast again the live show audio feed gets posted there and the podcast with eric and rusty get posted there as well and then we have our social media pages um we have facebook and that's at facebook.arcaderepairtips.com we want to thank louis and we want to thank we want to thank uh, mark for doing such an excellent job posting posting stories and things and tim uh, i post there as well and we've been doing stories and memes and and all sorts of great stuff over the last week or two and so i just want to thank louie and mark for their support and louie of course for being our live show live chat attendant tonight louie always does a great job posting links for you guys and keeping up with that and keeping everybody in line because that's his job yeah. so louie thank you so much for for the part that you play in the live show tonight we appreciate it and, of course, all those news stories and memes and everything also get cross-posted to our Twitter feed, and that's at twitter.arcaderepairtips.com, twitter.arcaderepairtips.com, or just Arcade Repair on Twitter. If you look for that, that's us. And so you can you can basically get the same information you get on Facebook on the Twitter feed. The, the information is identical. The comments are a little different because there's different people on each platform. But the same stories get posted on both, regardless of whether you, you are on Facebook or on Twitter. But again, facebook.arcaderepairtips.com for Facebook and twitter.arcaderepairtips.com for Twitter. So, Tim, I think I've finished now with all of the contact information, everything. I think we're about ready to wrap up the live show. Now... We have the after show coming up here, Tim, and I think it's hard to have an after show without talking about the elephant in the room that we've already mentioned a couple of times tonight, and that is the election that happened here in the United States. So, Tim, I imagine we're going to say something about it. I don't know what. Um, I don't know. I may have to insert my foot in my mouth a couple of times. We'll see what happens. But um, anyway, uh, I don't think, as of right now, we still don't know who the winner is, so um, we'll find out eventually, whoever it is. So if you're listening to this after the fact, you may know. But um, right now, we don't know who the winner is, so we'll, we may discuss that a little bit. Of course, personal updates, what you do for Thanksgiving or what are you going to do for thanksgiving christmas what'd you do for halloween love to hear what you guys think about that as far as live chat's concerned um we also have uh, we talked about some outfield stuff tim we mentioned that 
Um, and, you know, maybe some sports talk, cord, cord cutting talk, some other things. So if you guys want some non-arcade repair talk, make sure you stay tuned for the after show immediately following this live show if you're watching us live for that. And so we're going to do all that great stuff. But, Tim, is there anything you want to say before we sign off for the standard live show this evening? No, it's nice to see a chat room full of people and asking a lot of questions and just participating. Thank you guys who donated and everybody else for just being here and making it such a fun show. To yeah, and I hope that we gave everybody a little bit of a respite from the political talk because, Tim, it seems like I turn on my TV and I can't avoid it. So, I yeah. mean, it's just everywhere that you look and, you know, it's... It's hard if you just want to not worry about it and just, like... I, I'm kind of like this. I'm going to go to sleep. Wake me up when there's a winner. You know? <laughs> it's right. like, I don't... You know, that's that's kind of my philosophy. It's like, somebody's going to win this thing. Just let me know when that happens. I don't want to hear about all the in-between stuff. So, um, we'll find out hopefully soon. But um, hopefully, like I said, we gave you guys a little bit of a respite from all the political talk this evening. And, guys, we can't thank you enough for joining us, Tim. So many people in the live chat tonight. That was so awesome. I mean, you guys are asking great questions. You're, I mean, you, the live chat is as much a part of the show as me and Tim are, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, because without right. you guys, we have no show. And so, we want to thank everybody that's been in the live chat. And especially Especially Louie for keeping everybody in line like he always does. So, well, Tim, I guess on that note, we'll move on to the after show. If you guys are getting off here, not going on to the after show tonight, then we thank you guys for tuning in. And we hope to see you next month, Tim. December. We're at the end of 2020. Who would have thought? It's crazy. It, yeah. it's, it's felt like the year that would never end. I, I, I yeah, promise. April seemed like it was eight months long. And then after that, it was gone, you know? Exactly. So, that mean, you know what that means next month? It means presents. That's right. Oh, wow. I better get to shopping. Exactly. So next month, me and Tim will exchange presents. And while I'm here, YouTube Punk is here. YouTube Punk sent us a gift, Tim. Oh. We received the gift. I have it. We have received it. It is not open. And it will remain closed until the December live show episode. Okay. But he wanted to send it early because shipping is really weird right now, and I don't blame him for that. But we'll get to see what YouTube Punk comes up with or what he sent us. Um, I believe it came from a place you may be familiar with, Tim. Paradise Arcade Shop. Oh, yeah. You know that place? I do know this place. Okay, yeah. so we'll have to see what he sent along. But um, we'll open that. You guys will find out. December episode. It's, it's a surprise to me and Tim. It's going to be a surprise to you, too. But we'll find out on the December live show. And you'll get to figure, you'll get to find out what me and Tim are going to do with each other. Tim, I will drop a package off at your house and uh, you can do the same to me, put it on the front porch and then we'll okay. open them on the live show. So it'll be like, it'll be like a Zoom Christmas or whatever. But um, we'll do that uh, on the December episode and we'll get to find out what you did for Thanksgiving and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, December, Tim, we're almost nearing the end. Round of applause, everybody. You almost made it to 2021. We're close. Hey, and Olympics next year. Right? Hopefully. I hope, I hope so. so, too. So, I mean, I'm ready for all the stuff I didn't do this year to happen next year. So, really? um, but anyway, guys, so make sure you join us in December for the live show. We'll do our, our, our regular gift exchange like we always do and have a good time. But uh, thank you guys for joining us tonight. Stick around for the after show if you're watching this live if you can. And other than that, I guess we're ready to go, Tim. So the only thing that can be said is here at Arcade Repair Tips, when you fix the game... You play the Take game. care, everybody, and we'll see you in the December episode or at the after show tonight. Take care. Bye-bye.
Thank you for watching this episode of the Arcade Repair Tips live show. All of our past episodes are available on our website at ArcadeRepairTips.com or on our YouTube page. This show is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please consult a professional before attempting to repair any coin-operated machines yourself. The preceding program is a Varcade Entertainment production.